Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Now Patrick, you you betrayed me when you, you appeared on the Sign Guy wrestling show or the Sign Guy podcast or something last week. You told me that it was going to happen, so... I did. I gave I, you a heads up. You gave me some heads up. I only made it about halfway through the show. I made it to where you got to the, like, the lightning round and it was uh, questions. And uh, the one thing out of your interview that I, I'm kind of upset about is that you picked Jimmy Snuka over Jim Duggan. So, you know what? Uh, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, uh, you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh, everything else uh, was pretty much what I expected uh, from you in your interview. But you did fine. Congratulations. Thank you. For making the rounds. Uh, whatever song started that thing, the Mad Cow song, I don't know if that was part of his show or like... That a, is part of his show, yes. Really weird. Was that supposed to be some sort of commentary on COVID-19, or was that just a song that he He has done that song for, like, seven years now. Really weird song. And I was like, am I listening to the right thing? I'm not sure. But what I told you before we went on the air is that I will go back and record that in real time. I don't know there's another better way to do this, but I'll put it on our feed so you can listen to Patrick give his uh, mainly his experience as a referee like you talked about blood and wearing gloves and stuff like that and uh injuries keeping fans out of the ring you really described your experience as a referee which we've talked about in here a little bit but uh the the interviewer uh sign guy definitely was interested in in that aspect of your of your work so yeah and um i was a part of a, another podcast this morning it was a video podcast uh rope break podcast and he is going to do some editing and should have it out shortly and so we will uh we'll let you see that and hopefully you like what you see on that aspect as well uh, this morning we got more or less into his the history of wrestling and uh and so i i think you know i hope you both you know everybody out there enjoy both of them but uh and we this morning we also got very in-depth into what me and you do here and i gave you every bit of the praise one thousand percent because of course i show up all deserved i show up i do my thing i go home you're the you're the backbone that's keeping this whole thing afloat i just wanted you to know that and everyone else out there to know that but um no it was it was really cool uh i want to thank both of them for allowing me to be on and i will definitely be back on in the near future with uh one or both of them uh, hopefully and so uh yeah yeah i hope you liked it so you enjoyed it yeah i've only listened to the the sign guy one and uh, i was telling you i i had some problems with the with the player that he uses I, i'm not sure what what site that it's on that it's hosted on but i i got about three-fourths of the way done so i'm not in, entirely done with it but i thought you did you did fine and uh i'm glad to have you here in person this is the first time we've been together probably since like uh probably february this is the longest time we've been apart since probably when my daughter was born last year so uh, i'm glad to have you in studio today because uh this sounds a lot better than than when you're been calling in 
Yeah, or, or when on, you're on Facebook Live or whatever we use to record the record the show. It's it's better this way, and also I think we can feed off each other better this yes. way. I mean, uh, a lot of podcasts. There's a podcast that actually uses our name. Uh, they're not they're not called Retro Wrestling Podcast, but they're called Our Vantage Point. And our vantage point retro wrestling podcast. They started like a week after us, so I know they wanted our name. They wanted to be retro wrestling podcast. They stole from us. No, no, they didn't steal. They didn't steal. I don't. I, this is not an angry rant about them. Uh, this is just how it happened. It's just we we I stumbled into the name. I got the name before they did, or else they would have been it. They would have been. They would be the retro wrestling podcast. And one thing they always talk about is, oh, our, we sound so good. Our audio quality is so good. And that's something I've, I've told other uh, podcasters and, and told other people, though, is that audio quality really doesn't matter that much. And that's like when I heard you with, with Sign Guy, audio quality was not that good. But I'd still listen to it if I was yeah. interested in the subject. Just as if Conrad or X-Pac or any any top podcaster in the wrestling business, if it sounds like they're calling from me from a 1930s phone, I'm going to listen to it. If Stone Cold Steve Austin is on the other end of a 1930s telephone, I'm still going to listen to it because it really doesn't actually matter that much. You're intrigued. It only matters to people like me that are mixing it down, that said this sounds better, this yeah. doesn't. So it's good to have you back in studio. And you brought me lots of gifts today. I you did. brought me a WrestleMania three prize pack here. I, I did. didn't know that we were celebrating 1987 here. Uh, but you got me several Walmart exclusives, if you want to talk about them. Yeah, I got the uh, WrestleMania 3 uh, t-shirt and uh, WrestleMania 3, like it comes with this commemorative box that turns into the WrestleMania. The box turns into a ring, yeah, and then you got me, you and I are both, we've, we've, we've talked about this before, because 2K18 uh, was the Ric Flair edition, and it came with a special Ric Flair pop figure and i sold my pop figure on ebay for like a hundred something dollars i basically got 2k18 for free after i sold the pop figure because i don't collect them and the reason i don't collect them is it has nothing to do with it's because of their black eyes i know they're all supposed to look the same but the black eyes and the, the limited facial details it's not like a mattel action figure but these WrestleMania three ones, the Andre the Giant one especially, because he is a big pop figure. He is the biggest pop figure I think ever. Yeah, uh, makes him super special. And then you got uh, a, a Hulk Hogan, where I mean, this guy, this pop figure, the Hulkster had to sign off on this because he's got eight pack abs, and uh, he is just the incredible. Python power uh, bandana going. Yeah, he he's incredible looking. So these are two pop figures that I actually I do enjoy them. So I can be turned around on on pop figures. I'm not a pop figure guy, but there are a few out there. Like I found a Richard Petty one that I was like, oh, that's pretty badass. 
and uh, and these, but I don't do. I, I kept the flare one we talked about. The gemstone out of all of this is these. Oh, the lapel pins. The lapel yeah. pins. You got the the WrestleMania three lapel pins. You got the two biggest matches: the the Hogan and the Andre, and the Macho Man and the uh, Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, so. I love lapel pins, and I will be rocking those on everything. I wear a jacket every day, so it'll be easy to rock a lapel pin i've actually i lost a few non-wrestling related lapel pins recently so i'm glad this this gets my stock back up on lapel pins but uh, i i love the lapel pin i've got an nes controller one at home that i've been meaning to bust out and I love lapel pins. So thank you for all these, these no, generous you're welcome. gifts. Uh, you're welcome. I should make you wait a few more months to do another podcast. Maybe I'll get some more You'll gifts. You'll get some more uh, stuff, yeah. That's what it's all about. These were these were put out by Walmart exclusively for uh, this year's WrestleMania. And oh, what a WrestleMania that was. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think it was just a specialty thing of a last minute, we got to do something to get people fired up since all the COVID shit had started. I, I still think they're pretty cool. They turned out very well. I think the Hogan with the, you know, ripping the, the shirt off, I think that's kind of cool. And like I said, the Andre, it's, it's fucking massive. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're pretty cool for what they are. And I hope you enjoyed them. I hope you like them. And, yeah, thank you very much. That was, that was very kind. I have nothing to give to you. I it wish you had matter. told me that you're bringing gifts, and I, I would have gone out. I no, didn't know it, this was a big reunion. No, for us. no, it's nothing like that. It was just a, it was just a special. Now that you're a big star and you're on other podcasts, you have all this extra income to go yeah, out and yeah. spend money on, yeah. on wrestling figures and stuff. I'm, I'm I'm picking up the tab like Flair used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter if he's a no. uh, million dollars in debt; he's going to pick up the tab yeah, for the bar. Exactly. So uh, I'm it bouncing ha- that check. Has been a, another very newsworthy week in wrestling. We we came off the heels of the speaking out movement uh, last week when we got together on on the phone, basically, well, Facebook Live to do our last podcast but uh that was a big newsworthy weekend we we've rolled into another one so patrick what do you have for us this week backstage has been canceled yes yeah, so wwe had the deal with fox sports for uh smackdown and when they got smackdown on the air uh shortly thereafter they announced that they were going to have a news show about wrestling okay and that sent up Tons of red flags. I think we discussed it at the time. When you have a company as protective as WWE is about their product, they're saying it's, it's not going to be what everybody wants it to be. Right. And when you also have the company that's putting it on the air, they're also in business with you. So you yeah. have two businesses that have vested interest in having SmackDown succeed. Are you ever going to get into any controversial topics? And the answer was no, no of course, uh, because obviously that's what's happened. Any incarnation that they've tried of this on the network, bring it to the table, talking smack, raw talk, which they've recently revived. Um, any incarnation they bring is still within the framework of the WWE. And backstage tried to be different. They tried to separate themselves by hiring Ryan Satin, a, who was a dirt sheet reporter, 
who's a very good dirt sheet reporter prior to him getting hired, in my opinion. After he got hired, his credibility for me went out the window, even though he was one of the first people this week to to report on their, their, their COVID outbreak. So he did turn on them as soon as, oh, the check's not coming in. I guess I'll go back to being a reporter now. That's the kind of person you're dealing with. And then they also, a few weeks into backstage, got CM Punk. And that was supposed to be, oh my goodness, CM Punk, you can never... He just will say what what needs to be said. He is unpredictable. He's uncontrollable. Turns out he's controllable. If you give him a certain amount of money and you say, please don't say X, Y, Z, CM Punk will not say X, Y, Z. And so this show which had a terrible time slot anyway, which was Tuesday nights, and this is before the COVID outbreak. They had a terrible time slot, Tuesdays at 11. And so had they had maybe going into the baseball season, have some baseball leads or some basketball leads, I'm not sure what what FS1 has as far as sports rights to to lead into that show but then they had none of it and so when when the pandemic hit and they and it all dried up they were just out on an island at 11 o'clock and they were exposed and and i think at its highest i think it might have done 100,000 viewers which is by the wwe standards pretty bad considering smackdown does a little over 2 million Raw does a little under 2 million at this point. We've talked about the wrestling audience decreasing over the years, but if you're going to invest what you invested in CM Punk and Ryan Satin and uh, whatever you invested in that show, you want a return on your investment, and they were not getting that. And also, when you make it a news show, but you use a segment for promo battles and just sort of, you know, YouTube fodder, you know, yes. internet fodder. Yes. You're wasting your time. So the show, to me, never had a chance to succeed. You wasted Renee Young. You put Renee Young and Paige, two talents that I think Renee was doing a fine job on Raw. I mean, I think that her and Corey's dynamic got a little weird towards the end of that run. And now he's on SmackDown, so it doesn't even matter. And I thought Paige was doing a good job as GM of SmackDown, and I thought yes. these were in these two characters were in positions where they could succeed. They got shuffled onto this show that was bound to die, and now where those two go from here, I don't know. Booker T, the other uh, host of that show, I really don't care because I, I hate to say it booker t not a very good raw commentator not good on the pre-show panel he's a good performer because you're a good performer doesn't mean you're going to translate well to the commentary table or to a show and that's what i feel with booker t has been proven time and time again is that this guy is just not he's not making the transition so i hate it for the talent involved but at the same time, I could have told you as soon as it was announced. And I think if you go back in our episode log, I probably predicted this was not going to last. Right. Very and long. with with CM Punk, I mean, he... Oh, he didn't man. even show up every week. Yeah, it was, it was like, oh, CM Punk's going to be here. He was like, what, three shows? 
he was there for three shows. He did like three shows, and he took like a uh, like two weeks off. Then he came back for a week, and then he'd take another three shows off. And so it wasn't every single week. No. And even then, it it wasn't the CM Punk that you wanted, where he was going to be unfiltered. He was yeah. he was definitely filtered. So so where do we are we going to get a CM Punk in the future, or are we going to get just uh, he's rode into the sunset? no longer to be seen or heard from what is your opinion on that cm punk's future with uh, fs1 because that's who he signed the contract with it wasn't with the wwe i think that if fs1 gets back into the combat sports game they currently don't have ufc they don't have bellator at the moment but at the end of this pandemic if we ever get there if fs1 scoops up bellator or if they get into their own combat sports league, I think he could be a panelist on it and be insightful. As I mean, just as somebody who's entertaining, not somebody that's necessarily been successful in combat sports because he got his ass kicked the two times he tried it. <laughs> but at the same time, like I watched a UFC fight night two weeks ago and Michael Bisping was one of the commentators he did a very good job, and I think Michael Bisping's a very overrated fighter, and he got his ass kicked a whole lot. So, I, 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 it's all about entertaining. It's all about how how well you can do your job, and so yeah. I think CM Punk's future with, with Fox Sports is still bright. I I just don't know. They have to get into the combat sports game, and it's just when they get back into the combat sports game. I think that was his whole end goal with signing. Or I mean, to begin with was. I think he knew, okay, you're going to put me on this WWE show. It's not going to last very long. But if I've got a contract with you, we can go from there and we can see what's next. And so that's what I, I feel for uh, CM Phil Brooks Punk is uh, what I feel is next for him. So no wrestling future in your in your mind definitely not at this point because like the undertaker and many other wrestlers say never say never i mean i would have never guessed that edge would be back in a pro wrestling ring um we're almost we're we're approaching six years since cm punk's been in a wrestling ring outside of that one gts he did in an indie ring yeah so i think we're starting to get to the point where if he's going to do it, it's going to be sooner than later. And I don't know. I just don't see that desire. I haven't seen that desire in him at all since he's been gone. He's He's got like Stone Cold Steve Austin that when he walked away, like he, he walked away. And yeah. I just haven't seen any, any signs to indicate that he had any other feelings about it. Well, you know... We wish them all the best of luck. Fortunately, Renee is not having the best of luck. She has come down positive with COVID. WWE experienced a massive COVID-19 outbreak this past week. And I don't think it was necessarily in the WWE's bubble. I mean, Florida is becoming one of the hot spots in the country. It's becoming one of the, the states with the highest rates of of covid outbreaks but one thing that the wwe was doing that the other that ufc and AEW was was not doing was that wwe was was just doing temperature checks 
and that's all well and good, but AEW and UFC and other combat sports that have gotten back into it were giving you COVID tests. And sometimes that takes two days to come back. I mean, they, they don't have access to the instant tests. Some of those instant tests have been proven to be ineffective. So sometimes they were waiting two days, but the WWE was saying, you know, roll the dice, take your temperature at the door. And as I discussed with you before we went on the air, D.L. Hughley was on the stage of Zanies in Nashville, and he passed out. And he passed out from dehydration and exhaustion, not from, from COVID-19. Goes to the hospital, and they give him a COVID-19 test just to see. He wasn't running a fever. He wasn't showing any other symptoms. He passed out on stage. And so you've got a lot of younger people in the WWE, and younger people tend to be more asymptomatic from what I gather. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a doctor or a scientist. But you have a lot of people that tend to be more asymptomatic. And so if you're just scanning their temperature when they walk in the door, that doesn't mean very much. I think that... WWE should have tested everybody. Even then, it's not a hundred percent fail proof because sometimes you don't you don't show symptoms for three days. Sometimes your positive doesn't come back. But it's a better system than just scanning your 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 head for a temperature. And so they've had like Caleb Braxton has now tested twice positive for this thing, which. A lot of people thought, well, once you're positive, you can't get it again. She's proven them wrong. So Caleb Braxton has it. Jamie Noble, um, the, a couple other people backstage have come down with it. Can't think of any other like on-air performers, but they haven't released the list. And the performer, it's up to the performers to say if they want to come out with that or not. Totally threw a wrench into their SmackDown taping plans, like. If you watch SmackDown on this past Friday, we were recording on Sunday, what they did for SmackDown was they filled most of it with the Boneyard match from Undertaker and some other Undertaker highlights and did 30, 45 minutes of actual stuff from the Performance Center. So um, they've got a big problem on their hands, and it's a warning sign to other sports leagues that are about to start up, like the NBA plans on doing its entire playoffs in Orlando and you have MLB reached a 60 60 game agreement the NHL is mostly going to do their stuff in Canada but what we what we also discussed before this is that they you know when a team in a team sport you have a deep roster when you have the Atlanta Braves okay say four of your starters come down with it you can just go to your minor league roster yeah. you have this almost infinite supply of people to bring up. Now, will it be as great for the fans? Like, if the Lakers make it to the NBA championship game and or the, the championship series and LeBron James, he's come down with it and somebody has been called up, will it be as good? Will it draw as much ratings? No, but they have somebody that'll do it. Yeah. And when you're in wrestling and it's a, and it's a, a single-person sport, it's not like... You can't just take a Seth Rollins and say, okay, sorry, Seth, you, you tested positive. We're going to bring in Fondango, and we're going to see how that goes. It's not a team sport. 
And so they've got a big problem on their hands. Yeah. And I, I hope that they can get it figured out, not just for them, but for any wrestling organization that comes on after them. Because even here locally in Chattanooga, Tennessee, like last night, we had an organization in our town run an event. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? You know what? Yeah. You as the, the top promotion need to set the standard. Yeah. And set the stage for everybody else. So. Well, and see, and I've gotten back to running my show in Georgia, and we're having, um, I mean, in the state of Georgia, you can run stuff and have so many people per thousand feet. So if we run in a six, seven thousand square foot building, then I'm able to have so many people per that space and they are very adamant about that you cannot have one person over so there are tickets being sold and you go in there or you go and you may not get into the show and so it's almost like the sports athletic commission back in professional wrestling to a degree because you're only allowing so much to happen at each venue yeah, and having like Renee test positive, that affects AEW because John Moxley now is scheduled for Fighter Fest, and you said that he's for week two, right? And you're supposed to isolate for 14 days, so he might be able to make it. But if he doesn't, they have a problem on their hands because now are you just going to hand the the belt to Brian Cage and just say, okay, well, here you go, by forfeit, here you go, and uh, QT Marshall, my old pal. He, he was quarantined because he had interactions with WWE wrestlers, and so he was quarantined off the last show. So it's not just, I mean, wrestling, it's, it's never confined to a bubble. It's not like WWE wrestlers don't interact with any other wrestling yeah. uh, people. So you've got this, now you've got community spread. So now yeah. you've, you've actually, by not testing them you've impacted other wrestling organizations and speaking of impact big news out of impact this week that they let their world champion go patrick just Ooh. a crazy a very impact move to make for them and why did they let her go they let her go patrick because now this is this came i didn't know this until just today though that her contract was actually up june 30th so you tell me patrick um so your contract's up in a couple days uh with the retro wrestling podcast and uh i'm resigning yeah well let's say we don't know we don't know if you're coming back to resign and i send you a bunch of stuff to tape for me and we have a contract dispute you i basically know you want more money and i send you a bunch of stuff to do at home what are the chances that you're going to do that for me? Not very high. Yeah, it would be a zero. And that's exactly what happened here, is that her contract was up at the end of the month. She was not doing these COVID shows. They were in Canada, so she'd have to cross the border, which is probably really tough. I'm not sure the border situation, Mexico or Canada at this time, for anybody, uh, let alone athletes. So she wasn't doing any of that. They said, send stuff from home. Okay, well, if you're not just going to send me a check, I don't know their pay, pay structure for doing that. But if they're just asking, oh, for the out of the goodness of your heart, please send us some tape promos to build up your match. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't do anything for free. 
and uh, I don't think wrestlers are to the the nth degree of that. They're not going to do anything for free, especially wrestlers that know their contract is up within a matter of days. So instead of letting her no-show anniversary, they went ahead and cut her. And they also cut Michael Elgin. They cut Michael Elgin for other reasons that he's just a scumbag. He so, got into it. Well, I'm glad you're on that. Let's just ask. He got into it with Sammy Callahan backstage. I don't like Sammy Callahan either. So I don't you're either. talking about two people that I dislike very greatly. So, but I don't know what that was about. I almost thought that they released Michael Elgin more for the speaking out stuff that came out last week. Not about him, necessarily, because his stuff was very out in the open uh, about his domestic assault allegations in the past. This was a guy that was pretty much deemed unemployable by a lot of wrestling companies a couple years ago for this stuff. And Impact gave him a chance. And I think when all that speaking out stuff came out and then you're saying he got into an altercation with another wrestler i think they just said from what i heard now i this is strictly hearsay so i don't know any truth behind it whatsoever but that they got into it to the backstage to the point that they had to both <laughs> go to the hospital uh and to a actual physical altercation and so I guess he was held at fault, and they let him go for that. Now, I just think at that point, with all the baggage he already carried, he was already walking a very fine line. Sammy Callahan's not much better. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's some sort of saint. I would not employ either of them if I had a wrestling company because I think they're both just fucking trash. And uh, But they let Michael Elgin go, and so now... This four-way title match has now been reduced to two people and, and a s- surprise guest, which I think most people expect to be EC3. So now they're going to have to find a fourth person. But they've really... It's a very impact move to shoot yourself in the foot. And now, uh, interest in, in her, there's rumors that she's in talks with WWE. She competed in the original Mae Young Classic, but had attitude issues is what kept her out of the company they really missed out i think that i think she better go to AEW, and here's why wwe will not know what to do with her i think that she should go to AEW because AEW hasn't done a very good job with their women's division and that's one thing that you you were talking about with uh the uh the sign guy on your interview that you you preferred AEW's product. That's the one area that I think AEW has not done a good job in is their women women's division, and some of it has been lack of star power. And had they been able to sign CM Punk, it wouldn't have even been for like if they could have gotten AJ Lee in there. Yeah. And now if they could get Tessa Blanchard in there that would increase their star power on the female side. I think that's why they've been so hesitant to feature their females because they don't feel like they're big enough stars. But at the same time, you have to promote them. You have to make them stars. Well, and at the same true, but also it's a level playing field in my, in my book, okay? It's open ground. It's for anybody who wants to take that step up grab that brass ring and say you know what as a female i can carry this brand 
And that is a better opportunity in my book than going to WWE and having to deal with Charlotte or Sasha Banks or Bailey, you know. And so I think that it's it's a it's a better choice, not just competition wise, but now if she could get like the AJ Styles deal where she's right to main roster and right in the mix. But yeah, I wouldn't want to see her go to NXT and do two years or something. No, exactly, and I don't see that happening. She's also got some baggage there with Ricochet being her ex-boyfriend, and I don't know. Like he's on the, I think he's on the SmackDown roster at this point. So I don't know if I, me personally, I don't want to be in a locker room. I don't want to be near my my ex. Yeah. You know, but that's. If you date within the industry, I guess maybe you have different standards for that. Obviously, I mean, Macho Man brought Liz back after they were divorced, so it's not like you can't do this. But that's another factor that kind of weighs into my mind. I don't know that that's in her mind, but she's going to be a very valuable free agent. I mean, she's she's a reigning world champion that is cut. Yes. I mean, that's incredible. She is... Well, the first women's world champion in my book. I don't it's the consider... Impact title. Well, as I we get into it. our pay-per-view tonight, I would not consider an Impact title to be uh, <laughs> on the level, but that's fine. Yes, fair enough. But still, um, it carries weight to some degree. She needs to make that choice and jump to AEW and not linger around because... Like you said, I think she's going to be the hottest free agent since AJ Styles. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, it's it's not really a hiring market. But yeah. as soon as people are ready to spend money again, she's going to be the first person, that, the first big name to sign somewhere. So Yeah, uh, yeah so that happened. Uh, what else have we got this week? NXT is getting Great American Bash. Uh, see, this is, I only wanted to bring this up with you since you're you're such an NXT hater and uh, you, you hate that they used war games and you hate that they used in your house. But see, here's, here's my argument to you as to why great american bash isn't a big deal and that's because wwe had used it for a few years after wcw had folded so the name's already been tainted it's not like this is some it was still a great event and i don't necessarily think it was tainted because i there was one hell of a bull rope match between eddie guerrero and jbl main eventing at a great american bash wwe style Great American Bash. I, I think the brand is just not main event roster material, and I don't think the brand should have anything more than takeovers. Well, they only they only brought the name back to counter Fighter Fest, which is happening. So NXT is going to put on title matches at the same time AEW is. Fighter Fest last year was done as a free pay per view. You still had to go on Bleacher Report and watch it. But it was still a, a, a pay-per-view technically in that uh, it was a single event with fans and you had to go out of your way to find it and stuff. So this year for Fighter Fest, they're just going to do it on TV. and do TNT. It, yeah, they're going to do it over two weeks. And so this was NXT's counter to that was to just slap on a name. And we're near the 4th of July, so why not? They still have 
that brand. So I'm not that opposed to it because uh, I was thinking the other night that I probably couldn't name to you WCW's big four. I could probably name to you two of the four. I would name, I would probably pick Starcade and Halloween Havoc. As Great American Bash. I wouldn't pick GAB as one of their. That's their big one of the ones. original NWAs, though. Did I, they do that before? Yes, NWA. Okay. NWA was Great American Bash. So that and probably Slambury, I guess, are probably the four that. That's what I would put. Yeah. Yeah. So I or couldn't World even. War Three. World War Three. It took a while for them to come around That's on true. World War Three. Um, yeah, Great American Bash is a major milestone for NWA, not just to mention. WCW, so that's that's why I feel like it's a shit on at this point, Patrick. I just uh, fucking the, hate the NXT. legacy of wrestling. Is uh, I just fucking hate it's NXT. Been trampled man. on. It's I, fine. I do. I do. I know. I know and you it's, hate it. It's, and it's, 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 it'll be okay when you see a good NXT show. You'll come around. I'll come around. Okay. All right. I'm gonna hold you to that. Zacky Dice. Do you know who Zacky Dice is? No, I do not. Know <laughs> I do not Zach either. Dice. He requested his release from NWA due to all this going on. I well, don't NWA know. NWA hasn't taped in a long time, and with uh, Dave Lagana's departure, don't know when they're going to tape again. I mean, that's up to Billy Corgan. I mean, uh, they they did tape in Georgia, which Brian Kemp and Georgia that was one of the first states to reopen. And but with the rising numbers, it's uh, definitely they're getting high. Yeah, and well, like we discussed, it, it's younger people, it's asymptomatic people. Like the hospitalization rate. This is what this is what all the the people that'll say ah, it's not a big deal. It's the hospitalization rate and the death rate isn't isn't going up, but the infection rate is still climbing. I sincerely hope that that's the case and that those numbers aren't just lagging behind that okay you're younger and you'll be in the hospital in two weeks and then you'll be dead two weeks from now so that we're not just lagging behind and and the cdc and all them i'm gonna give you a little health behind the scenes deal the cdc is if you die it's from the state that you're from or the county that you're from to say that you died there so if I moved to Atlanta, but I hadn't swapped all my stuff over, okay? And I got sick and I died in Atlanta. It's going to come up here on Chattanooga's number of deaths, not in Atlanta. I know. I think that's one of the messed up things that they do, uh, at least locally, when you talked about Chattanooga for hospitalization rates they put residents and non-residents in the and then they they separate them in the bar graph yes but a hospital bed is a hospital bed patrick yes so <laughs> it doesn't matter to me <laughs> you know when i'm going to hospital it's not like they're gonna say oh i'm sorry you're from uh polk county we're gonna have to move you out of the bed because alex is coming in here and he lives here so right. it's not like that makes a difference but i'm just saying the numbers are the numbers are so messed up. The numbers the you board. can't right. You can't trust the numbers. Now I'm not denying that as a whole this thing is on its second wave. This thing is on its second wave, and I'm afraid it's about to get really bad again. I don't know for a fact, but you know, 
the numbers are still screwed well, it's up. Also, to the people that, that downplay the number of deaths and people that say, oh, we're exaggerating the number of deaths, we have no idea. That's what's scary about this, well, yeah, is that we have no idea. There was a guy, he was a truck driver from, <laughs> from New York oh, City. Oh, here we go. A terrible story. No, he was a truck driver from New York City. This is legit, about two months ago, who got very sick driving and... Uh, Sa- saving a lot of other people's lives by delivering stuff on his truck. Yeah. Essential worker, yeah. And he, uh, But he ended up getting sick and passing away at a local hospital. Now, his number did not count for the fact that he may have gotten sick around here in the process of driving across the country. He could have picked it up in Louisville, Kentucky, drove down here, and within the two days of him down here or whatever, he got symptomatic, and here you are. His death toll number fell on New York. Oh, that's crazy. Even though he died here. And even and though... where was he, he even his residence? Like, New he, York. So that's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. So he, he lives in New York. He didn't have it. So he was able to travel supplies. So he makes it to Dalton, Georgia... <laughs> and gets very sick. That's insane. And he dies. So instead of the fact of okay, I'm down on the Georgia I'm toll. that far away from home. It had to have happened somewhere on this side of the, you know, the numbers. No, it counts against the the New York numbers cuz that's where he's from. That's insane. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You can't I mean, trust these numbers. You can't I guarantee you 50% of the people that are sick here in Chattanooga probably aren't from chattanooga oh yeah i mean anywhere i mean even even just the way that it's it's classified like the way that they pass away or whatever like if you pass away in your home and you never went to the doctor and you never went to the hospital it's going to take a few days for them to, even if they test you for covid like they could just say covid might have triggered like gonna, your heart I'm disease gonna, i'm gonna blow your mind on this one <laughs> oh, no. blow your mind on this one a wreck happened oh no <laughs> seriously a wreck happened someone was physically hurt to the point that they later days later died from their injuries due to the wreck okay they were put on the list of the fact that COVID is what caused them to have the wreck. And that is not the case because they didn't even have it. So instead of actually testing, they're just like, oh, well, you died during this period of time. You're going on the on the death toll for, for COVID. But it works the other way, too. I mean, I don't, I don't have an example for you, but definitely people that have died from, say, avoiding the doctor, say they've got heart disease, say they've got something else and they're scared to go go to the hospital because I'm going to get COVID if I go to the hospital. Yeah. And so these are secondary deaths caused by COVID by the fear of getting COVID. Yeah. And they die from something else. So these numbers are just all over the place. Yeah. Like, you can't trust a damn thing. You, you really can't. <laughs> Unless you go to the hospital and say, how many people is in your hospital right now? Are you going to know in your area truly what your number is? So you can't trust these damn numbers, but I can tell you it's going up, at least here in the Tennessee Valley. Oh, yeah. And across, uh, I think I saw a 
report today it was 39 states that it was going up and then only two states it was going down and then the rest it was even where it was just yeah. the same numbers week after week but if you if you leave the nwa now getting back to your original story here uh, of the nwa their taping schedule they i mean they weren't taping that often no i kind of understand but at the same time it's like if you leave them it's not like you have a ton of options at your disposal. It's right. This is not a hiring market. Exactly. And what the only reason I bring it up because I have no idea who the fuck this person is. The only reason I bring it up is because it is the very first person ever in the history of the NWA to ask for their release. Wow. So since they've been reformed, since under... they've been reformed. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. So because no athlete no wrestler has done that yet so this is the first it doesn't i mean they're going to go on without this guy because i have no idea who he is it it was just it was weird to me it's just a bad time to ask for your release right i think that was kind of my thought behind it when there's so many people unemployed and there's um very few jobs to be had when you're an independent contractor if you want to wrestle as your if he wants to go be an Uber driver, if he wants to go pick up groceries, okay, that's fine. If he wants out of the wrestling game, but if you are in the in the wrestling business and an independent independent contractor, I think you would pretty much hold on to your contract as long as you could. Yes, and ride this thing out as long as you can. Yeah, because it it seems like a very stupid move to me. The prospects are not are not very good right now. Yeah. It seemed like a very stupid move to me. Now, uh, moving forward, Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan has decided to step away from wrestling and does not know if she will ever be coming back to professional wrestling. Uh, This is very odd to me because it just came out of the blue. It's not like she was injured. It's not like she was, you know got covid and it was like all right i don't want to travel this crap no more it's not like any of that she just one day decided hey i'm going to step away from wrestling for a while no i think when you're in in her situation and she pretty much rose to prominence in the wwe i'm not really familiar with her indie background i'm not sure if she stopped by impact for a minute or or anything else but when you spend at least four years or so three years or so on the wwe's main roster it's like and they let you go i can certainly see being disillusioned with 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 wrestling and just saying i've already i've already been in the major leagues yeah and she has a husband that's still working for the company in eric or ivar i forget which one she's married to in the Viking Raiders. So she still has a husband working there. And I can certainly see her being just disillusioned. It's not a good time to get a job. If this was not a pandemic and uh, the doors were open elsewhere, I, I think I could see her maybe going somewhere else. But at the same time... I mean, I could believe it if they're like, hey, we're going to try to start a family or something like that. But that hasn't even come out. Not, you know, And they may not want people to know. Well, and also, if she wants to be close to him and not be, your booking date might be on the other side of the country or the other side of the world from where he is. Yeah. 
you want to be relatively close, and so I, I kind of, I kind of understand. I mean, this is this happened with other people that have gotten released from the WWE or the top promotion in whatever league, fighting league you're in. If I, I kind of see that, I, I think they, she's one that they might bring back. So why go devalue yourself? In another, like, say she signs with an AEW or an Impact, and they just beat her to the ground. Well, yeah. Then her value goes down. Whereas if she does nothing, her value stays the same. So uh, she's somebody that I can see them bringing back eventually. As I think WWE, as as I said earlier about AEW not building up the female brand, WWE hasn't really done a good job of building up outside of probably six performers building up their female brand. So when they're ready to do that, I think that she would be one of the top names that they call back. So I can see her stepping away. Yeah, and, you know, we wish her the best of luck. Moving forward, uh, one that just hit my mind that you do not know about, or maybe you do and just didn't bring it up, Uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong. Uh, Bullet Bob is having some serious health issues right now and when i say serious we're talking deathly serious health issues that may or may not be able to come back from and so we want to keep bullet bob armstrong and the armstrong family in our thoughts and prayers well the matriarch they they lost uh bullet bob's wife today as we're recording so it's not just bullet bob's health but uh his wife has passed away and in elderly people i'm not projecting and i don't hope this happens at all but usually when one goes the other one's not too far behind i i hate to put it that way but so uh yeah um bg james mom passed away today uh so the 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 matriarch of the armstrong family passed away yeah and so yeah if, if bullet bob is in bad health and that doesn't bode well for him just historically speaking on yeah he had been um he he had been fighting for much longer than her i mean this was a shock i did not know anything about her this must have come out of the blue but yeah uh bullet bob you know we want to wish him the best of luck and hopefully he'll be able to come back from this and uh our thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to the armstrong family all right, well, that'll wrap it up for the news desk this week. And by the time I publish this, there will be a, another million stories that we've missed. The Undertaker retired, or did he? <laughs> that was the thing. Uh, I got asked about the last ride a couple times, and did I watch it? And uh, the answer is no. I have not watched the last ride, and it's, it's it has nothing to do with the production quality. I think the WWE has some of the best production value. I wish they got credits at the end of their shows so that you know who did what. And yeah, because like if I was a part of it, if I was a director, like one of my jobs, I'm a technical director of a newscast. We don't throw up credits at the end, but if I did something really good. I'd want credit for it. And yeah. they do really good work all the time, and they don't get credit for it. And so this was a five-part miniseries uh, biography of The Undertaker's last few matches in the WWE. And it was a lot of Mark Calloway out of character, which would have been a little bit more intriguing had, he not, had they not done the Stone Cold interview right before that. And... 
I think that turned me off a little bit. And also Michelle McCool's insight into this. Like, oh, he just, like, I just don't care. Also, because I here's the reason I don't care is because it's time lapsed. Like, it's it's stuff I've already seen. Like, I know that he did this match. It sucked. He came and did this match. It was okay. He said, okay, let's do it again. It was this match. It sucked. Came back, did another match. Oh, I like it. Okay, we'll do another one. And then he did another match, and he was he did the Boneyard match, and he's seemingly fine with that. And so, to me, as a viewer, a regular viewer of their pay-per-views and his work, I just there's not a lot of value in it for me because I know he'll be back. Well, and he even said from the work I haven't watched it yet, but he even says in his words. I am officially done, or I'm happy with what I have accomplished unless Vince needs me. Well, Vince needs you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, dude. That that right there tells me you're not going a damn place. Well, and while this documentary was airing, I think the news came out that he signed another he signed a fifteen year legends deal. He did. So yes. he's not going a damn damn place. He is there for life and if we have Hogan coming back doing a leg drop and a big boot, then we're going to have Undertaker come and hit a choke slam or maybe a tombstone. Well, I think with the, the way that. they did the Boneyard match, that cinematic style, dude, he could wrestle till he was 70. That's the way true. that that was set That's up. That's true, because that was done very well. You could hide, I yeah. put that. I put that almost as much high up there as like the, uh, the boiler room match that him and Mick Foley had him oh, and Mankind. Geez, really high praise. I think for old Undertaker, I think this is the way to utilize him. That's true. I, but I think in the ring like the way they did with Cena a couple of WrestleManias ago where he just hits his finishers. Yeah. That's what you want to see. Yeah. He can do that in the match yeah. and go on. Yeah. You don't have to have his days of, of of trying to get to a five star classic are over. Just hit the hit the greatest hits and get on. Cash a check and go to the bank. That's you know? and that's what we said about that match with like Dusty and Ric Flair. It's like those people in Jacksonville, like that was one of the last WCW pay per views. It might have been the last one. I don't remember now. But uh there was like five thousand people there. Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes have about had about two moves between them the whole match, but they popped so hard because they just hit the moves they recognized. It was the match. It was match of the night that night. That was all he wanted to see is the yeah. greatest hits. Yes, and so give me a bionic elbow, hit an you know a elbow drop on me, maybe throw on a figure four, and that's it. And Undertaker, if that's how they booked him in these matches instead of trying to go out there and do WrestleMania 25, or in his mind, try to do WrestleMania 25, he can do that forever. Yeah. And it was really insulting to me as a wrestling fan to see them trying to trend like thank you taker on twitter and stuff it's like thank you for what you haven't done anything lately like you you did the boneyard match that was cool but like thank you no you and also especially when we know he's coming back well and as we've discussed many many times well if he he definitely should do survivor series because this would be 30 years i think if he wants to end it end it at 30 years exactly that, I agree. Like, okay, end it on a round number. You've that just seems 
like the place to end it I for agree. me. But because I was there at the twenty five, twenty five, yeah. yeah, that was supposed to be the end. Yeah, every time it's the end. Yeah, that you know, here it is. He's coming out, and they drop this giant casket, and it's a video screen, and they're showing all kinds of you know historical fic, you know, picture you know figure montage and all this stuff and it's like oh man this is it he's done he's finally over no he was there next month building for mania so no i think yeah carry it over to if you're done done you let the fans know hey this is it and i'm going to survivor series 30 and i'm walking out well and i think you also let as much as like they I know in that taker thing and in the last ride, they showed like Vince like tearing up talking about taker. You owe it to Vince to tell him so that they can make some money, make a bunch of money. Yeah, because you're leaving money on the table if you just. Yes, because you could sell out, and I mean seriously sell out. I would say like the Pontiac Silverdome if it was still standing or something like that. If you told people, listen. This is it. He is done. There would be people worldwide. That would be the hottest ticket since WrestleMania of okay, I've you know it's it's signed, sealed, delivered, whether it's a good match, bad match, whatever. This is his last. Well not to mention all the merchandise that goes with it. Yeah. The commemorative T shirt, the jacket, the title belt, the hat. You need everything, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think he owes it to Vince to tell him next one will be the last one. But he never does that. And it seems to me like he's not going to say that, but who knows. And that's why I just didn't buy into the documentary that much. Yeah, I don't either. Now, we could be completely wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Well, that's the thing about every time he fucking retires. It's like, yeah, you're completely wrong. At WrestleMania 33, when we when we walked out after he lost to Roman Reigns and he did the whole taking off his he got naked in the ring thing, uh, you know, I that was supposed to be the end, but it wasn't. Yeah. So, been fooled. It's like fool me once, you know. It's that saying. It's like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, and we've been fooled beyond twice 13 14 times now so oh yeah and like even in that documentary he's, he's terry funk him bringing up that scene at wrestlemania i guess it was 29 or no it was 28 because it was the rematch between him and hunter the hell in a cell when yeah. him and sean and and uh hunter walk out and and he talk talking about that being some legendary moment it would have been it would have been had that been your last moment. Yeah. But you came back, and it's just another. It's just three guys walking out of the ring. Yeah. So that's anytime I see that clip, it really irritates me that they make that out to be such a big deal. This is the end of an era. No, it wasn't. It was Hunter and Undertaker are still wrestling to this day. And Sean came back and wrestled. Yes. So I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. Really annoying. Yes. So it was my pick this week, and we go back to December 9th, 2001. Oh, Kurt Angle's birthday. Happy birthday to you, Kurt Angle. Wouldn't be your night, uh, December 9th. As we go to Vengeance 2001, a name that would be retired. Vengeance would be retired after uh, 
a certain Chris Benoit incident happened in 2007. No more WWE vengeances. And uh, this was actually a really altering a... Usually the December pay-per-view and the February pay-per-view mean nothing to the WWF, WWE, because you get to the Rumble and then you set up your WrestleMania match. And so the February pay-per-view is just whatever you can throw on whatever you know nothing's going to change the main event and the same thing with december from survivor series to rumble and uh, why would you change anything why would you why would you do anything here this is very weird but this year was different because of course survivor series brought the end of the alliance versus the wwf feud where wcw was put out of business again by the WWF, a definitely a Vince McMahon ego thing where he oh, had to put God. you out of business again uh, in the ring. Well, this is this is a historical night. Oh, it's historical, yes, Patrick, because never before, never before, even though JR will tell us later on in the show about other undisputed champions, this is the first ever undisputed champion ever. In history. This is, if you want to truly follow the lineage of a world title, the world title, the George Hackenschmidt world title. Well, this title. is not the first ever. Undisputed. But I'm just saying, if you follow the title lineage in between the unification titles throughout the years and all that, it falls on Big Goldie. And so the paperwork falls from the NWAs to Big Goldie. Then Big Goldie now turning into the WWE. This is wrestling history. This is Vince getting to say, listen, I am on the record books as being the real, quote unquote, world's champion. He got to assume the NWA's lineage. Yes. When he folded it into his own belt. Yes. But basically... He did that in March when he purchased the company. So this is really just a symbolic thing where, okay, I'm going to. And then in a few months later, uh, that big Goldie would be brought out of a briefcase and uh, the lineage of that a big Goldie would get a little distorted. Yeah, so it would uh, get shit on from then on out. Well, and also the NWA title had broken away from Big Goldie. So the NWA title was still out there. It wasn't on the it wasn't on the level of uh what we would like an AEW title today, but it was still out there. So it's not like but you follow when you follow the accuracy between companies buying companies and things like that, it was this moment. But yeah, Patrick, if you follow what they tell you, uh it, you can go is, back and look for yourself there, buddy. I can go look. It's just not. It's not that significant of an event. It's more. I bring it. Are, I, I bring it up now because of the intro video, which I absolutely love. Yeah, because you like classy Freddie Blassie sitting there just uh, staring highlights of old matches, and then a silent movie treatment because uh, Freddie Blassie at this point probably couldn't speak. Uh, he probably didn't he have was, many he had years been left. He had his 80s. And uh, 80s so here. the silent movie tells us that there has never been, never, Patrick, been one undisputed champion. That's a lie, but that's fine. Okay, sure. I'll buy into it for the sake of this evening. Okay. Until tonight, 
Until this December in 2001. Will First it ever. Be, will it be The Rock, Stone Cold, Chris Jericho, or Kurt Angle? Four superstars, three matches, two titles, one undisputed champion. That is the tagline for this show. Lugs presents WWF Vengeance. Did you ever have, have a pair of lugs? I did not. Did you? I, was I had one pair of lugs. Did they you? were they were sort of they look like Timberland boots, but they were they were low they were they low were tops. And, yeah, they were ankle height, and uh, they they were fine shoes. I, I'm not sure if they're still in business today, and I'm too lazy to look it up. But lugs, lugs. If yes. you if you know whether or not lugs is still in business, let us know. I'm curious. We we want the fans to get involved, so look that up for us. Jr. welcomes us to the show. It's a pretty lame set. They just repurposed the Raw set. So this is a December pay-per-view. That's no, put no effort into this. I, I remember, I think, Survivor Series 2002, they just repurposed the SmackDown set. And I remember commenting on like a wrestling message board, guys, the set sucks. All he did was just repurpose the set they already had. And people yelled at me, but this How is lazy. You? This is just lazy. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so they just took the raw set and said, put two little Titan Trons underneath it. Done. We're done for the <laughs> night. So out first is Mr. McMahon, who is walking gingerly, even though he has no leg injury. He has an, an ego injury is what his problem is. JR and King have the call for tonight as uh, King had come back night after Survivor Series. He... He gave up his dispute over the cat being fired, and it timed out perfectly because they needed to get Paul Heyman off the desk because the alliance had folded. So, hey, King King needs a job. He divorced his wife. Good to go. So this is King's first pay-per-view back since Survivor Series. Vince McMahon on SmackDown was done in by Stone Cold Steve Austin, who threatened him, and The Rock shoved Vince's face into Rikishi's ass. Vince admonishes the crowd for laughing. Don't laugh at the misfortunes of billionaires. You laugh when I tell you to laugh. He who laughs, laughs, laughs loudest. Last Thursday night. Oh, please show this man some respect. He's been through so much, JR. You know how many facials he had to have since last Thursday? Just for the record, last Thursday night, as I stood in this ring, I wasn't about to kiss anybody's ass. He's a billionaire, JR. He doesn't have to. There's no one man big enough or bad enough to make me kiss anybody's ass. That's right. No man. I was in this ring about ready to take care of business and what happened. Don't start and that. what happened? Oh, JR, can you stop him? Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up on the Titan Tron. Beat the hell out of Kurt Angle. And then threatened to beat me up if I left the ring. And then these people here. Then after that, my very own 50-50 partner, Ric Flair. Uh, some partner. Ric Flair comes out to the stage. And Flair says, 
if any WWF superstars interferes in this proceeding, he would immediately suspend them. Some partner. And then it happened. Oh. Then The Rock took advantage of me. You know what they say, it happens. Rock shoved my face into Rikishi's ass. No, no. Deep into the ass. Hey, hey, deep, deep, deep under hey. That was the most embarrassing, the most humiliating experience of my life. Not to mention suffocating. That's really saying something. And how did you people react? You laughed. Oh, they did. You laughed, JR, too. As if this was some sort of cartoon on television, some sort of comedy skit on Mad TV, Saturday Night Live. You laughed. You laughed at me, Vince McMahon. Uh-oh. You don't laugh at the misfortunes of billionaires. Oh, God. You don't find humor in that. You laugh. Shut up. Ooh. Ooh. He means it. You laugh. You laugh when I tell you to laugh. That's when you laugh. There you go. And if you don't remember anything else for the rest of the night, then you must remember this. He who laughs last laughs loudest. Yeah! You remember that, don't you, Dale? I'll try to keep that in mind. Let it go. He who laughs last laughs the loudest. Wait a minute. And there's Mr. McMahon's uh, business partner, 50-50 partner, Nature Boy Rick Flair, who led a consortium to buy Shane and Stephanie's stock when they bought WCW and ECW. Uh, Flair was laughing last week, too. He's a 16-time world champion. Did I hear you say last, last? Woo! Well, we all hope we've seen the last of you tonight because these people came to see a pay-per-view called Vengeance. And... And the show is about to start right now. Yeah, which is Vince's actual, this was not Mr. McMahon. This was just Vince McMahon's booking coming out where (laughs) Vince being you laugh when I tell you to, you do everything when I tell you to do it. You know, get some overalls on you. Uh, Ric Flair (laughs) comes out. And he just starts the show, and he cuts Vince off. You see, Ric Flair is now the 50% owner of the WWF. When w- when WCW and ECW, the alliance, went out of business, uh, Shane and uh, Stephanie sold their shares, uh, and they didn't sell them to Vince, which I think he would have put into the stipulation, but he sold them to Ric Flair. Yeah, to a concernium. Yeah, a concernium of Ric Flair. And Ric Flair was the concernium. Ric Flair just cuts Vince off and starts the show. He's tired of hearing Vince. So Scotty Too Hottie and Dancing Prince Albert are out first. Sweet T, before he was Sweet T, he was the Hip Hop Hippo. 
Not to be confused with the Hippopotamus, which was a character from Flight of the Concords. They're taking on Test and Christian in what's being called a bonus matchup, a.k.a. We need to fill some time, guys, so enjoy. Albert and Tess, both in their black pleather pants, as that was a theme of the night for wrestlers in 2001, was black pleather pants. Christian had his mesh top, and Scotty had cargo pants. This was 2001 style. Do you miss the mesh top? Do you miss that? Never would have rocked a mesh top, because I was too heavy up top. I would have had male breasts hanging out of them. Uh... (laughs) Cargo pants I do sort of miss just because of the usefulness. I had shit in my cargo pockets, so I wasn't wearing cargo pants because I thought they were cool. I just had shit in the cargo pockets, so I do miss cargo pants. This match is in fast forward as they had no time to do this match. Tess won the Immunity Battle Royal, so that's how he kept his job. Uh, See, if you didn't have a title and you came out of Survivor Series you were assumed to be fired. So he won an immunity battle royal. (laughs) So test of all the people you want to hang on to, he was hung on to. Scotty super kicks Tess to slow down the heels. Albert does a flip-flop fly and then splashes both Tess and Christian in the corner. Does a big spin to Christian for a two-count Cesaro style. Albert looks for his finish, but Tess brings him out of the ring. Scotty gets an inverted DDT from Christian, who goes on to do the worm to Scotty. How dare you, sir? Scotty then eats a big boot from Tess when he gets up before the worm hits him. And then Christian covers for a near fall. Scotty breaks it up. Scotty hits the worm on Tess, so the crowd is happy. But then he walks into an unprettier attempt, and Albert hits the Balto bomb on Christian and pins... Uh, Captain Charisma here, one, two, three, in a match that meant nothing and uh, represented little, as uh, Christian would be bound for TNA, bound for glory here in a couple of years, and uh, all four of these guys really going nowhere on this roster. And yeah, not not really making it, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Sky Too Hottie, a firefighter in 2020. and Is he? Yeah, I think he's a firefighter in Florida. Does he still work some shows every now and then, or is he... I think occasionally he shows up, because he was in NXT not too long ago, like... Uh, it was like uh, a one-off... With Lawler, uh, when Lawler was still alive, uh, as Too Cool. They did they did a spot as Too Cool, so... Really? He occasionally does show up, but... Um, yeah, firefighter. Uh, Scotty too hotty. Well, uh, Scott the, Taylor. Yeah, Scott Taylor. The fire is too hot, and Scotty too hotty is here to put it out. If I was at the house that was burning down, I'd say, do the worm. Uh, put out my put out the fire and then do the worm, please. He just Here's how he puts it out. He does the worm over the flames. <laughs> F-I-R. Okay, hey, stop that. Put the hose, put the water on the, on the house, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tags, really not important in this match. Uh, the ref didn't keep up with the tags. No. I couldn't tell you who the legal men were supposed to be. <laughs> no. Nobody cared. It was an opening match, and it sucked. Uh, Regal is with Coachman to talk about his match with Edge coming up for the Intercontinental title. Roydy Regal. Jeez, Louise. This man was puffy. This man was <laughs> bulging at the... Over his tights was just nothing. He was inflated. It was like I hooked Stephen Regal, William Regal, up to like an air compressor for a while. 
he says Edge has made a mistake and will incur his wrath and calls Coach a silly pillock. Listen here, sunshine. Yeah, my Durango, number 95. Edge with his Rob Zombie theme is out first. Champion out first, not a good sign. It would work out fine for him. Uh, <laughs> Regal's out next. The Power of the Punch theme. Vengeance brought to you by Lugs. Tough enough to handle anything. And they really want you to buy some Lugs tonight. So buy some fucking Lugs. Edge hits a missile drop kick. Regal bails to the outside to regroup. Regal sucks chance as Regal takes to Edge on the outside of the ring. Knees and European uppercuts to Edge when they get in the ring. Edge tries an inside cradle for a two count. He hits a swinging neck breaker. And the Edromatic for a two count. Edge hits a Frankensteiner to Regal for another two. Comes back with a Northern Light suplex for a two count. Tries a spear off the apron. Hits the stairs instead of Regal. Regal goes and gets some brass knucks. He stashed some knucks inside the ring apron. Referee Patrick Young, had, why didn't you check the ring apron for these brass knucks? I need to do a better job. You really fucked up here. Regal powerbombs Edge for two. He hits a couple of double underhook powerbombs for a near fall. Goes for his knocks, which he had snuck in his tights. But while he's going for his knocks, he didn't realize, oh, Edge is in the corner, ready to spear me. And he gets speared. One, two, three, and out of nowhere. Like, I felt like this match just started. And Edge immediately beats William Regal and keeps his IC belt here. So, a good showing for William Regal as Edge really did little in this match. Yes. And um, got to hit his finish and win. So, good for him. And William Regal... Boy, if they were doing drug testing in 2001, William Regal would have been uh, out the door because this dude was jacked. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen him looking this big. Like, no. He was massive. No. He was world title jacked. <laughs> he, he was ready for WrestleMania. <laughs> he, he knew WrestleMania was right around the corner. A uh, pretty boring match. The crowd was really not into it and the finish came out of nowhere and didn't feel dramatic. It wasn't like Regal kicked out at two or anything. William Regal didn't try the Regal stretch or anything, any of his finishes. No, just uh, gonna lose the match. Ric Flair is on the phone backstage talking about how great it is to have one champion, which I think he would tell you is a lie because he, he likes being champion. So he likes multiple champions, Ric Flair. Kurt Angle interrupts him, tells Flair he's gonna be the first ever undisputed champ, and Flair plays it right down the middle with all these guys that come and bitch to him. He's just like, okay. You go do that. That's awesome. I believe in you. Go do it. <laughs> Win the match. Which I don't is care. not Ric Flair. That's so hard for me to watch because that is not what I expected. Well, it's just funny that, I mean, what did they expect him to, like, did they expect him <laughs> to, like, hype them up and, like, chop them and, like, fire them up or something? <laughs> like, he was just like, yeah, go for it. I, I wouldn't care. believe that, though. Chop, you know, be like, hey, go get him. Go get him. <laughs> hey, Kurt. Ric Flair. Ric Flair, you heard what Mr. McMahon said. He who laughs last, laughs loudest. He said a lot of stupid things. Oh, Mr. Flair, I'm sorry. 14-time world champion, the nature boy, the greatest there ever was. You know what? There's one thing you never have and never will win in your life. That's Olympic gold medal. Oh, I know. That's why you're the greatest ambassador in the sport. I, I am, yeah. Awesome. I mean, you know what else you've never won, Mr. Flair? You've never been undisputed world champion, and I'm gonna tonight. Sure, you were WWF champion, NWA champion, WCW champion, but you were never 
the undisputed champion of the world. And I'm going to do it tonight. Yeah, you have the ability to. I'm going to. I, I believe you. I will. You've got a good shot. Oh, I got a good shot. I have Stone Cold Steve Austin first. And when I kick his butt, I'm going to sit back and watch Rock and Jericho kick the crap out of each other. And then when I see a winner, I'm going to go down and kick the crap out of him and become the undisputed world champion. If you can do all that, you'll be awesome. I oh, I'm going to. I believe it. I'll do it. That's awesome. I'm going to go out there and do it. That's awesome. I'm going to. That's awesome. I will. I believe it. Just, I'll do it. He was just like, yeah, good luck. Okay, great. Sounds good. Go beat him. <laughs> Matt Hardy is with referee Lita. Oh. As the Hardy boys explode tonight, uh, Lita says, as your girlfriend, I'm always on your side, Matt, which we would know to not be the case. But she's Very gonna, shortly with a uh, past match participant. Yes, uh, but she's going to call it right down the middle between him and Jeff. After he wins, they'll have a big celebration. So when he says that, as soon as he says that, he's definitely losing. So thanks, We know man. that right out of the gate. Promo package recaps their eyes through the WWF. Doesn't mention them being the King of the Ring boys or anything like that. Just, oh, we got signed and we were just so happy to sign those. Anytime they do Hardy Boys stuff, their North Carolina Southern accents just, oh, man. I just wish they'd do a better job with these. Uh, this all stemmed from Jeff missing a swanton. How dare he? From the top of the cage. And he missed Devon Dudley instead of just climbing down and winning the belts. He had so a chance. he was an idiot. And he cost Matt the tag team titles. So Matt then responded by costing Jeff the European title. So two very valuable titles, as we know, in the WWF, WWE. The European belts and the tag belts. So, Jeff is very upset about this and shoves Lita to the ground as they're arguing. So, that's our dissension. That's our setup for this match. Lita's out first, followed by Jeff and Matt, who both used the Hardy Boys theme song. So, it's really weird. It's just a long loop of their theme song. They didn't song. even restart it for the next <laughs> part. It just keeps playing. All right, Matt's in. Okay, now you go, Jeff. I assume Jeff is high to start the match because he wrestles in his hat for some reason. And uh, it falls off immediately. Jeff and Matt do some shitty arm drags. Man, when they try to do... You would think, these two brothers, who have grown up wrestling each other, day after day, backyards, in the WWF at 16... They could put together one of the best matches of all time. Brett and Owen, WrestleMania 10, Jeff and Matt, never got near that. Never (laughs) fucking close. And you'd think that they could. But they can't. No. They are not capable. And even if they're both not on drugs, if they're both clear-headed, I don't think there's a chance in hell they could put on WrestleMania 10, Owen and Brett. Not a fucking chance. (laughs) Even in their own style. Even if they did like a hardcore match and people are jumping and people are transporting. They just couldn't do it. (laughs) I don't know why. These two just cannot work well together. So Jeff and Matt do shitty arm drags. They exchange chops in the corner, which chops were the big 
that was the move of the night, I guess, because Flair was back in the company. Everybody got permission to do chops in every single match. Woo! Matt locks on a sleeper, turns it into a side suplex, misses a second rope leg drop. Jeff lands his second rope leg drop for a two count. Jeff tries to whisper it in the wind, but Matt stops him and ties him up in the tree of woe. But Lita unties him to booze with Jeff. Fuck you, Lita. You're not supposed to untie someone from the tree of woe. Matt tries to sunset flip powerbomb Jeff to the outside of the ring, but Jeff counters with a Hurricane Rana. Jeff jams his knee when he flips over Matt to enter the ring, and then Matt goes right after the bag, bad leg with stomps and a chop block. Matt puts Jeff in a half crab. Jeff gets to the ropes to break it. Jeff kicks Matt out of the ring, hits a baseball slide on his bad leg, so he's immediately forgotten that injury. He thinks about a plancha, but he can't launch because of the bad leg, so he did remember it for one second. He can hit a reverse mule kick, though, no big deal, and then blocks Matt's twist of fate. Jeff hits his leg drop to Matt's midsection. Jeff goes for the swanton. Matt catches him, throws him off the post, counters the twist of fate from Jeff into a backslide for a two count. Matt gets caught by Lita for using a dirty pen. Then Matt tries a twist of fate off the top rope, but Jeff shoves him off, hits a swanton, goes for the cover. Matt gets a foot on the ropes at two, but Jeff pulls it off. Lita doesn't see it. One, two, three. Jeff Hardy wins the match. Lita, his own girlfriend, fucks him over. And Matt, not the first time she would fuck him over in their relationship. (laughs) And it's done. Jeff Hardy wins. He leaves the arena. We don't see him again after this. We see Matt one more time. Does he he leave alone? Oh, see, they never set up that. They never set up inner brother uh, girlfriend swapping, uh, which is really crazy because that's something I would see WWF doing. I absolutely would see them doing this. they, They avoided that for some reason, and so Jeff just went home for the night. And so that was that was that was that. It was awful. They are just fucking terrible <laughs> together. They're fucking awful together. And uh, I like both of these guys, but together they are just toxic. They just do not belong in the ring together. I no, yeah. don't understand it. I brother Nero and uh, Broken Matt do not need to be wrestling each other. We go backstage. Trish knocks on the Rock's door and gets an answer and comes in. Trish thanks Rock for shoving Vince's face in Rikishi's ass and then kisses him on the cheek for good luck. The Rock, he's only concentrating on walking out with the belt tonight. No, The Rock can't be bothered with sex. He can't be bothered with your breasts. He can't be bothered with you. After tonight, though, there will be plenty of time for her to smell what The Rock is cooking. And he pulls up on his pants as if to show her his wang. So it was so amazing the way you stood up to Vince and you just took his face and shoved it in Rikisi's butt. It was so amazing. I, I just want to tell you that it was awesome. It was oh, awesome. good. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, hey, and I know you have a huge match tonight, and um, I just thought I'd come and, and wish you good luck. Thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going? Well, I'm uh, watching. I'm watching. Uh, I'm uh, Just so you and The Rock are on the same page, the only thing that The Rock is concentrating on tonight, the only thing that The Rock is concentrating on tonight is walking out of San Diego, the undisputed champion. However, After tonight, after your big title match, 
after you win your big title match, and after The Rock goes out there and does what he does best, and that's lay the smack down on candy asses. There'll be plenty, plenty of time for you to smell what The Rock That was Rocks and Trish uh, backstage contribution tonight. The Dudley Boys are out with Stacy next. A very weird combination that I don't recall ever happening. Every time we see this in pay per views, I'm always like, I don't remember this. At you don't all. remember Stacy with them? I do now. I mean, it's like uh, thirty. They did for almost what three years or something. No, nah, they didn't do it that long. She had her testicles later on, so. Uh, and then she she got her her uh, her Scott Steiner. Oh her right, big, she was with Big Papa Pump. For she a got minute. her Big Papa yeah. Pump. Who's a hookup? So the Dudley Boys, they're the tag team title holders. They're out first again. Another bad sign. But they're taking on. Don't worry, guys. They're taking on a makeshift team of Big Show and Kane. So you know they're going to lose. Big Show. This is his singlet era here. Is just like Yokozuna. Every time we see him, he looks worse than he did before. Big Show does his thigh thrust to Devon in the corner, followed by a headbutt that sends Devon reeling. Kane throws Big Show into the Dudleys in the corner. He does a really bad-looking splash. Kane dives off the top turnbuckle to the Dudleys on the mat. Stacy runs in the ring, and Big Show pants her, sexually assaults her, and then spanks her for a big pop from the crowd. So a different time we were living in, 2001, where it was okay to pant a woman and spank her in front of everybody. Dudleys hit their alternate 3D, their their backdrop version on Kane, followed by a was up. The Dudleys flapjack Kane, then Kane dodges the 3D with a big boot, hits a clothesline. Big Show gets a hot tag, runs through the Dudleys. He wants a choke slam on Devon, but Bubba saves him. Kane, though, accidentally clotheslines Big Show from the top turnbuckle, so we have some dissension here from this makeshift tag team. Big Show is mad about the miscommunication. The Dudleys try to capitalize. Doesn't go well. The heels, the heels just take them out. Big Show knocks Kane off the apron by mistake, so more miscommunication. Big Show grabs Stacy. Devon saves her. They flapjack Big Show into an exposed buckle, which JR calls a 3D to the exposed buckle, which it was not. It was a flapjack. And they win the match off of this. So it was an okay match, but there was zero chance that Kane and Big Show were going to win. So my interest level went down significantly when they came out. But what are your thoughts on this tag team title match? It wasn't. It wasn't the best. I didn't particularly care for, it, which is a shocking thing because I do enjoy all four men in the match. But this just wasn't. I don't know. It, it didn't deliver to me. And the the Dudleys had probably won immunity. Title holders were withheld from being cut from losing the alliance thing. So that's why the Dudleys were uh, allowed to be there, even though joining up with Team Alliance or whatever. We get the don't try this at home promo. Don't try this shit at home. And you're just going to break your neck. <laughs> then we see Lita beg Matt to talk as he grabs his bag and leaves. He should have just walked out on her that night. It would have saved him a lot of trouble if this was the actual end of their relationship. Drowning Pool Center is the official theme of Vengeance 2001. As This is the uh, second Drowning Pool album with their second lead singer. Their first lead singer had died in the tour bus, I think, during the Family Values tour. So this was 
the second Drowning Pool singer. And uh, this is one of the few songs they, they let stay on the network. So I guess Drowning Pool doesn't care about residuals. They just, you can have our song, we don't care. Hardcore title next as Biker Taker is here to take on RVD. So a very strange matchup. A promo package plays showing Taker turning heel by punching JR and making JR poor Jim Ross kiss Mr. McMahon's ass. But Taker still comes out to roll him by Limp Biscuit and gets a huge reaction from the crowd. So this heel turn not going over so well with the crowd. Uh, they don't know and don't care. And uh, they just love The Undertaker. So They just don't give a shit. I was uh, surprised he wasn't one of the guys in the tournament tonight uh, over over Jericho or Angle, probably over Jericho, and just have him win the belt. But then when I thought about it, is he going to job to Triple H at WrestleMania? No. So they just they they surveyed the four guys and said, which one of you would like to lose at WrestleMania? <laughs> and that's how they picked their undisputed champion. Uh, so which you will still hear a specific person bragging about to this day. It is an accomplishment, but it it's is. not great. So Taker rides his bike without a jacket. So a strange jacketless taker here biker taker and he's got his pleather pants so he knows what year it is it's 2001 rob van dam is out to his shitty instrumental version of his song so no no lyrics here and uh he got to keep his job because he was the hardcore title champion so that was the way to keep your job if you joined the alliance if you had a belt you Either had to win that Rumble, uh, the Alliance uh, Protection Rumble that Test won, or you had to be a champion. So that's how RVD kept his job. RVD dodges most of Taker's offense before running into a boot. RVD hits a 360 clothesline from the buckle for a near fall. Taker and then RVD brawl on the outside of the ring. Taker runs into the post. Brawl into the crowd, or the WWE Universe as it's known now. Taker chokes him with a shirt, dirty heel. Then Van Dam hits a moonsault to take her out on the concrete. Taker chokes RVD with the guardrail. They brawl near the stage. RVD blinds Taker with a fire extinguisher, bashes him with it, and a trash can shot. Then RVD goes over the mezzanine and lands a crossbody to Taker from the uh, cheap seats. They brawl behind the Titantrons. Taker then rams RVD's head into the metal frame around the Titantron. Taker wants last ride on the stage, but RVD kicks out of it. Taker goes, gets a chair. RVD kicks it away from him. Rolling Thunder to Taker on the stage for a two count. Running Van Daminator to a down Taker for another near fall. Then Taker hits him with the chair to the back twice. RVD misses a kick and Taker choke slams him off the stage onto some conveniently placed tables. Hops down. One, two, three. For some reason, The Undertaker wants and wins the hardcore title, which is very strange in retrospect that he would accept this yes. as anything. Yeah. Uh, he wants the same belt that Crash Holly had. <laughs> well, who the hell's going to take it from him, though? I mean, but you could say that about any title that he wins. It's like this crazy man on his motorcycle. Yeah, okay. Who's going to take whatever he has from him? Uh, so, but this hardcore title, this is so strange seeing Undertaker fight for basically in 2020 the 24 7 title. This would be like if Undertaker does come back, Patrick, for one more match and he wants our truth for the 24 7 <laughs> title. Like, 
this is just very strange and did RVD no favors, even though it technically moved RVD up because then he wasn't stuck in hardcore hell here, but it moved him up to job to Triple H. And so I guess Undertaker, like I said, why wasn't he one of the four? Because he didn't want to lose to Triple H and uh, he'd rather just have this. I'm not jobbing. Mid card belt. I'm not jobbing uh, to the game. Yeah, because he was a heel. He was definitely a heel here. He would have been perfect for Triple because Hunter's big return and his yep. big win at the Rumble. He would have been perfect for Hunter, but yeah. uh, not going to lose. Not going to lose, brother. Got too much. <laughs> Hunter would have liked it. Yeah, like. <laughs> You might have kept watching WrestleMania X8 had you known Undertaker and Triple H was next instead of Undertaker and or instead of Triple H and Chris Jericho. They really fucked up in the way they booked X8 because you put Hogan and Rock on before and got that reaction and said, "Yeah, we have one more match. We have one more match after that." So big fuck up on their part, and that explains how they booked tonight. That really explains... Their WrestleMania booking explains everything they did tonight. And knowing that they had Hogan coming in explains everything that they did tonight. The Holster brother. Flair's on the phone talking about how great the pay-per-view is, which... Okay. Why aren't you watching it, though? Uh, Jericho comes in and interrupts him. Jericho says, I'm going to win tonight. And Flair says the same thing he said to Angle. More power to you. Go do it. Go win the belt. Awesome. I don't care. Go. Sounds great. Got faith in you. <laughs> yeah. I, these are actually some of my favorite Ric Flair promos. because yeah, They are. It's 100% not Ric Flair. It's just me or you. If someone barged in our I'm studio. I'm going to kick his ass. Great. Okay, go. I do it. Get, yeah. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> Hang on, phone. You got to deal with me now, Nature Boy, Ric Flair, here inside your luxurious, beautiful dressing room. Man, you got everything in here. You got, you got, you got it all. You got all the confidence in the world, don't you? But the one thing you don't have confidence in, I can feel it. You don't have confidence in Chris Jericho. You don't think I can become the undisputed champion tonight, do you? Nobody thinks I can do it. If huh? you can pull it off, more power to you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's not if. It's when. I have beaten The Rock twice. Twice. And tonight, I'm going to beat him for a third time and walk out of this arena and become the undisputed champion, whether it's Angle or Austin. First, it's The Rock. Then it's one of them. Then it's all about Chris Jericho and the undisputed championship. Do you understand me, Flair? Huh? Yeah. If you can if you can pull it off, you will be right. the man. That's right, I will be the man. I already am the man. And tomorrow night on Raw, you can personally come into that ring and present me with the one thing that you never had in your entire career. The undisputed championship. Tomorrow night in the center of the ring, the living legend Y2J and Ric Flair. Tomorrow night. Let me promise you this, because you're getting me excited now. I am going to walk the aisle tomorrow night at Raw, and I'm going to crown someone undisputed world heavyweight champion. And if you can pull it off tonight, more power to you. All right, Flair. Then I'll see you tomorrow. So that's that's what makes it great, because it's so out of Ric Flair's character to just be so passive and be like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Go, fine. Okay. Whatever. 
Uh, so Trish is out next to defend the women's belts. Lugs is presenting this show. Go buy some Lugs already, you fucking lazy motherfuckers. <laughs> Jacqueline is her opponent, which I was shocked to see Jacqueline still wrestling in late 2001. But, hey, she's a Hall of Famer. The crowd just wants puppies to tell you where women's wrestling is in 2001. Trish lands a nice kick to the head of Jackie. That would be her one lone highlight as she fucked the rest of this match up. Jackie just takes control, slams Trish until Trish responds with a short-arm clothesline. Trish goes for a kick. Jackie hits a Mortal Kombat-style leg sweep. This was intense. This She <laughs> fucking took her legs right out from under <laughs> her, and Trish's head hits the canvas at about 100 miles an hour. And... Uh, I was like, "Damn, that was fine. That was still. This is strong style. They we're getting intense now." Trish then botches a victory roll very badly, and she tried to bridge for a cover. And then this is when Jackie was like, "Okay, I'm taking you to school, bitch." And uh, she took Trish tries the Stratus faction, but Jackie dodges it and lands a drop kick to the back of her head, of Trish's head, which just looked terrible. Like it looked like she got all of it. And then Trish botches a shoulder tackle, and man, this is just Trish was on three botches in a row here. Trish then mercifully hits a backslide, uses a backslide to win the match, and uh, keeps Jackie from kicking her ass some more, because this would have been bad had this match continued. So Jackie and Trish do the code of honor at the end of the match, shake hands, so all is good. Everyone's happy with each other. But You did great. Trish Stratus not looking great in this match. This is not a uh, two Hall of Famers here. This is not on either of their reels. I think it might be on Jackie's reel because Jackie beat the fuck out of this lady. <laughs> like wasn't even close. Uh, it, 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 yeah, yeah. This match definitely did not leave much for. The imagination as it pertains to violence caused Jackie owned her ass. On SmackDown, Vince was going to kiss The Rock's ass, but instead Rock offers JR's ass. Then he says, no, 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 you get to kiss Trish's ass. And so Vince was excited about this, put on some lip balm. He was ready to kiss her ass, which... Okay, look, I, I'm not going to get into you know sexual stuff here, but... Kissing a woman's buttocks wouldn't really turn me on in any way, shape, or form. But Vince, the pervert, is super turned on by the thought of his lips touching this woman's upper buttocks. So Wait, didn't he just have an affair with her? He did. I mean, yeah, they, they were locking faces, but the thought of his lips touching her buttocks... Uh, made him way more excited. Uh, so then Rock says, oh, no, 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 no. That is not what I'm... That, that's, that's not going to happen. Of course not. No. And I've got someone for you to kiss their ass, and it's Rikishi. I did it for the Rock. And he... I did it, it for the people. He is a good guy now. He's returning from an injury, I guess. And he comes out, and he hikes up his little... Uh, Little Speedo. His his one-off. And uh, Vince, not too uh, thrilled to do this, so he gets a rock bottom. And then Rock shoves Vince's face deep, deep into Rikishi's ass. A lot of room in there for Vince's face. And JR 
went nuts it's a commentary table there is a god in heaven there is a lord like just jr went into overselling mode here as uh he had to kiss vince's ass on raw so he was getting him back here so uh that was it we go to rikishi he's at wwf new york he says he's back and he's ready to back that ass up which is pretty much all he ever did Survivor Series recap, WWF, hey, hate to tell you guys, WCW got put out of business. Again, if March wasn't bad enough for you, uh, they got put out of business again at Survivor Series. Vince on Raw after Survivor Series was just going to hand the WWF title to Kurt Angle. Just going to hand it over. Uh, That's crazy to think about. It's almost like exactly what they did with Eric Bischoff and Triple H about six months later. Just hand a guy a title. Uh, Then Ric Flair showed up, announced that he's the co-owner, which led to the famous Vince ear grab that I see gifed so much on Twitter. He makes a match for The Rock and Austin to unify the belts of vengeance, but then, of course, Vince shits on it and ruins these fans' uh, fantasies and makes it a tournament tonight for the Undisputed Belt with Angle and Jericho. Fink was the announcer all night tonight, so he was still doing all the pay-per-views at this point. He introduces the first match. It's for the WWF title. Kurt Angle comes out to Big Pyro. Then the WWF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out, and the way he's walking looks like his legs are shot. He's This is two leg brace Stone Cold Steve Austin and... He looks like he's at the end of his career, and he would be. And uh, so when I when we go back and revisit WrestleMania X8 and talk about his booking with Scott Hall, if I watched him here tonight, I'd say, you really don't need to be in a big match. But at the same time, the people love you. So it's kind of a conflict of, do you want to sacrifice the good match for the big pop for Austin, or do you want to have the big pop in a bad match and what they did was the big pop in the bad match for scott hall at wrestlemania after austin shot down hogan hall was high as hell well nash did most of the work in that match and i mean austin shot shot down hogan ideally they were very they were still opposed to triple threat matches at this point despite at wrestlemania 2000 having a four-way match for the main event but you know that triple threat match between benoit and hbk and hunter didn't happen until wrestlemania 20 but it had they done a three-way match between rock austin hogan that way hogan or austin one of them didn't have to job and what ended up happening was hogan jobbing to rock yeah so you could still have that outcome and austin wouldn't have to lay down for anybody and have the biggest match of all time I mean, that would be the biggest... Imagine that stare down between Hogan and Rock, but add Austin in there, too. Imagine what we saw at WrestleMania 30 when they weren't wrestling and just staring each other down. I just think that would have been the way to go, make that the main event. But Hogan... Austin was not going to do any business with Hogan. That was very apparent. And uh, explains what happens tonight. JR runs down the history of titles pretty briefly before Austin and Angle start the match. I mean, he goes over the history, the lineage of the world heavyweight title in about two seconds. A title that they attribute back to the early 1900s. He goes over the history of it in about two seconds. Austin and Angle start with a stare down. This is when Austin had the what chance, so they are in full effect. 
Well, they tie up, but mainly stare down each other, feel each other out. What? Austin stomps down Angle, lays in some big chops, as chops were the order of the night. Kurt wants to get Austin on the mat for some mat wrestling, but Austin says, no, don't fuck that. My legs are shot. I'm not doing any mat wrestling. (laughs) Austin gives him the double birds. Big chops again from Austin. Austin then looks for the stunner. Angle counters it to the ankle lock, but Austin rolls out. Austin is pretty much just countering Angle's wrestling move. So anytime Angle does a wrestling move, he counters, and then he just wants a brawl. This was on Kurt Angle's birthday, so a sign pointed that out in the crowd, and I looked it up, and it was true. So uh, no birthday wish here for Kurt Angle. Austin brawls with Kurt on the outside of the ring. They get back in. Austin goes for cover, then goes back to the chops. Angle gets the ankle lock in the middle of the ring. Austin crawls to the ropes, even after being dragged to the middle, totally underselling the ankle lock. So again, Austin goes to the chops when they're out of the ring. Angle slams. Austin's knees against the ring post. He finally gets some educated offense, and this was the first thing he did all match. I was like, this makes sense. Like, he's going after Austin's bad legs. He does his own chops to Austin, then he does the corner post figure four, a move long forgotten in 2020. No one does the figure four on the post. Not even Charlotte Flair. Can somebody do this move, please? I just love this move. It doesn't hurt anybody. It looks awesome. Just do it. Angle goes back to the ankle lock in the ring, but Austin kicks him away. Belly to belly from Angle. Triple Germans to Austin for a near fall. Angle goes for the moonsault, but he misses as per usual. Austin then hits the Thez press, the punches, a spine buster. Then Austin hits the triple Germans to Angle with a lot of help from Angle. As Angle had to do a lot of leaping here. He even hits a fourth and a fifth. Angle doing all the work for Austin here. Two and a half count after five Germans for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Olympic slam to Austin from Angle gets a two count. Austin kicks out to Angle's shock here. Angle was shocked he kicked out of his finisher. What? Angle tries the stunner, as this was another thing of the night, stealing your opponent's finisher. Angle tries the stunner on Austin. How dare you, sir. Counters it with his own stunner. One, two, three. You're not kicking out of my fucking finish. And... Stone Cold Steve Austin advances to the finals tonight for the undisputed title. And uh, big props to Kurt Angle here for doing all the work as Austin was just out of gas. Like, he was just running on fumes in December 2001. And uh, this was the, like I said, this this was the first time I had seen this pay-per-view. And this is the first time I really noticed that, yeah, this dude didn't have much left. And... Um, when he quit two years later after WrestleMania 19, like, probably made the right call. But he could have been like Undertaker. He could have kept wrestling for 20 years and had bad matches. Just hit. Had some good matches. Yeah, just hit the finishes. Hit, hit, a, hit, hit a, a stunner. Bird, hit a stunner. Hit a Thez press, a stunner. That's it. Everybody's happy. That's it. Could have made a lot of money. But I think he saved himself. He saved a lot of face here. Because when he got out, you don't have a lot of matches to go back and say that he was running on empty. This is one of them, but Undertaker has a a bookful, a chapter of the Undertaker's career. <laughs> Our matches where you think Undertaker is done. So, yeah. uh, what'd you think of this match? Uh, I'm with you. It was a good match, but it was it was Taker. Or I mean, uh, Austin kind of. On the slow, slow burn. 
probably could have had angle advance here to meet Rock in the finals. And, I mean, you could have totally rebooked. You had between now and WrestleMania to rebook this thing any way you wanted to. So, but whoever walks out of here is going to lose to Hunter. And I remember at the time when they paired Jericho with Stephanie, I immediately knew he's going to lose. Like, there's no believability here because, of course, Stephanie's going to turn on him. This is a lady that he called a trash bag hoe for years <laughs> and a, a lady that's paired with Hunter. That, that's They are on-screen paired before. It's like, it'd be very weird. It'd be like if, I don't know, if Paul Bear sided with Stone Cold Steve Austin heading into a match with Undertaker. Of course he's going to turn on you, like, and fuck you over. Like, this is his boy. This is this is Hunter's wife. Like, this is not... So I hated the build-up for WrestleMania uh, X8 for the title match, but that's for another day. True. We've covered... No, we haven't done X8. I thought we had. We've done 17 and 19, I think, and 20. I thought we did X8. Trish is backstage with Test. Tess wants to kiss her, but she brushes him off. This is very creepy in 2020, especially after last week's speaking out thing where he's like, yeah, you want to kiss me? I'm a winner. Yeah, you definitely want this. Come on, baby. And she's like in a towel. Like, she totally barged in there. Very creepy. I don't know what this led to. I don't care. Bucket. This was just in there. WCW champion The Rock is out next, now just referred to as the world champion since WCW's out of business. The champ is out first, not good luck. Y2J is out next to face him. Jericho with his frosted red ponytail. Not a good look for Chris Jericho here. I guess heel Chris Jericho needed something, and so yes. they said, yes. dye your ponytail red, sir. Make it red, sir. Rocky chance, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. Rock just dominates Jericho to start the match. Jericho slows him with a spinning heel kick, drop kicks him to the outside. They brawl on the Spanish table. Get back in the ring, Jericho hits a flying reverse elbow off the buckle. Jericho does the, come on, baby, pose pin. And you know what? Mike Kyoto doesn't even fucking count this pen. So fuck you, Mike Kyoto. <laughs> or it was Earl, one or the other. Rock hits a leaping clothesline for a two count. Rocky chants fill the arena. Rock hits a Samoan drop for a two count. Jericho goes for a sleeper, locks it in forever. Rock hulks up as a sign of things to come for the Rock's booking. Jericho misses a lion salt, lands on his feet. Eat some right hands from The Rock, who has great-looking right hands for a pro wrestler. Like, Brock Lesnar doesn't have right hands that look as good as The Rock's. Before he finally hits the bulldog, Jericho does, and hits the line salt for a two-count. Jericho crotches Rock, looking for a missile drop kick. Rock then chops at Jericho to stop it. Rock wants a superplex, but Jericho knocks him down, hits a crossbody for two. Jericho gets tossed outside by Rock. And he hits his head on the post on the way out. Ouch. They brawl on the outside and Jericho catapults Rock into the post. Jericho clears off the announcer's table. Jericho wants to rock bottom Rock right through the table. Instead, Rock hits a flatliner to Jericho, sends Jericho through the table instead. It's referred to as a DDT, but it was definitely a flatliner. Earl, so he was the ref, gets them both back into the ring. Earl being very lenient here with the countout rules, as I guess... What would I mean? Austin would just be by default the 
undisputed champion if they both got counted out, so he's being very lenient. They get in the ring, Rock wants a rock bottom, Jericho counters, hits Jeff Jarrett's The Stroke! A Jeff Jarrett reference here in 2001, <laughs> puts The Rock down, Jericho calls for a people's elbow, which was awesome to see Jericho try to do it and pull off his elbow pad and everything. Rock counters it, though, into his terrible-looking sharpshooter, which Jericho reverses into one of his own. The shit-sheeter. The, the sharpshooter. Rock almost passes out in the sharpshooter, or the sharpshooter from Jericho. Uh, Jericho does a good one. Uh, he goes for the walls of Jericho, but Rock rolls him up for a two-count to avoid it. Rock bottom to Jericho, but Rock can't capitalize. He's too gassed. Vince McMahon runs down to the ring to distract Earl while Rock covers Jericho. Rock then decks Vince, spinebuster to Jericho, people's elbow broken up by Vince for a moment, but he still hits Jericho with it, so he's not going to be fucked over his people's elbow. Jericho then low blows Rock, Rock bottom to the Rock from Chris Jericho. One, two, three, holy shit, Chris Jericho just pinned the Rock with his own fucking finisher. I just couldn't believe the finish to this match. Which is brilliant. Oh, this match was the match of the night. Absolutely. uh, By far. Absolutely. Um, But even more, he beat him with his own move. That is brilliant. That is something that a lot of people don't understand. Well, and they don't go for it. Because that means your move is so badass that when you hit it, you're not getting up. Even if you hit it on me, I'm not getting up. A little psychology that people don't really follow. Well, people are so protective of their finish now. Like, I mean, can you see Hunter going... I mean, he did lose to a pedigree once from Owen Hart. But can you see Hunter in 2021 and next year's WrestleMania losing to a pedigree? I mean, there's no way. Like, I would kind of like to see that. Can you see Undertaker taking a tombstone to end his career? I don't think anybody could pick him up right now and, and give him a tombstone. Safely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was match of the night by far. A uh, very shocking finish to see somebody get beat with their own finisher like in a video game. I know it wasn't clean. I know it wasn't what the fans wanted. But that's kind of what makes it, makes this pay-per-view so great to me is because this is exactly what the fans weren't expecting. It went against everything that the fans were expecting. And this is a crowd that I wish that I was a part of just for these last three matches because they went against everything that you thought going in because yes. yeah you had rock and austin at 15 and x7 and you probably thought okay well they're just going to unify one of them they're going to fight tonight yeah you didn't get that so it's sort of bait and switch because you definitely would have been led to believe the two top guys are going to fight for it so on one hand, I would have been pissed off, but then looking back at it years later, I would have been like, wow, at least they did something unpredictable. Because now it's so predictable. But what about if you had Angle beat Austin and Rock or Jericho beat Rock? So your two main picks that everybody's like, you're going to the finals, didn't even make it out of the front. I think that they needed to. they needed to capture... I think they would have lost the crowd almost really? at that point. Yeah, I think that would have been a little too shocking. Okay. I think, and like I, like I say, I think they picked Jericho because Jericho was going to, he was okay with losing to Hunter. At He's like, I, I, I'll take it. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, he doesn't care. 
He's lost to Hunter many times, and he'll lose to Hunter many times after this. Angle, of course, uh, at 19 had the main event, so it's like you don't want to burn burn this up on him. Yeah, that I think that would have been a more shocking thing to do, and especially to have Jericho go over Angle in the finals would have been really, really shocking. But I think you would have lost the crowd. And I think they, they obviously into this main event you could tell they lost a lot of the crowd by doing this and i think in hindsight in 2020 eyes when people that were there if they go back and watch it i don't think they'd be as pissed off because wrestling is just so predictable especially wwe it's very predictable it's almost like i know that sometimes we make picks on here and we, we might be off by like a person if it's like a battle royal but usually on title matches and stuff like that we're usually we're pretty, pretty spot solid. on yeah we're 100 percent. absolutely we never picked wrong um but definitely they lost a lot of the crowd for the main event um because they were sort of quiet for they they got hyped to hopefully see austin win but not like they would have gotten hyped to see Austin come out and challenge The Rock. Like, this was not the main event that they wanted. So, a very shocking finish to me, a video game finish, and match of the night. These two guys actually put on a good wrestling match with each other. Jericho, this was his This was his main event, even though Austin was still to come. But, uh, as I mentioned with Austin's match earlier, he was just... He was out of gas. Like, this dude was just out of gas. Glass shatters, and it's time for the undisputed title. Usually there's a little match in between some breathing room. No, fuck this. We're going right into it. So Jericho's at a huge disadvantage. Jericho's got a long night. Good thing that he he doesn't get gassed easily, because, like, Austin definitely needed that piss break. So Austin comes out limping, selling the effects of the ankle lock. Goes after Jericho, but Kurt Angle sneaks in. Dex Austin in the face with a chair right in front of Earl Hebner, but the bell hadn't rang yet, so you can just do whatever. You can go in there with a gun. You can go in there with a <laughs> missile. You can drop a bomb on him. It doesn't matter. The bell hasn't rang. So he decks Austin in the face with a chair. The Rock wants his, too, so he hits a rock bottom to Jericho. And so both guys are down, and Earl rings the fucking bell. Referee Patrick Young, both men need to be in a standing position in their corners, ready to go. exactly. Not down on the mat, just passed out. Jericho goes for a pin after the bell rings. Austin kicks out at two. Jericho chops at Stone Cold. His chops, again, everybody doing chops. Stone Cold lands some forearms, some kicks. Austin spears Jericho, which was strange to see Austin do a spear. And then he rams his head into the buckle. He rams Jericho's head into the buckle. Then he takes Jericho outside, chops him some more. Austin rips up the ring mats, exposes the concrete floor. Jericho decks him. Austin's neck hits the concrete. Ooh, ouch. They go to the Spanish announce table. Jericho looks for the walls of Jericho on the table, which gives you more leverage, I guess. Jericho looks for the walls of Jericho on the table, but Austin takes him to the floor with his legs. Austin suplexes Jericho on the concrete, rolls him into the ring. Austin gets rammed shoulder first into the post. Jericho then hyperextends Austin's elbow on the mat with some help from the ropes. Jericho tries something off the top rope, but Austin catches him, gets more chops. Jericho goes and puts Austin in the walls of Jericho in the middle of the ring. But Austin, he's a superhuman. He doesn't tap out to anything, to an ankle lock. Ask Brett. Yeah, or the walls of Jericho. 
And, uh, oh, great thing I saw in Cameo. Well, it was on Twitter. Someone, uh, so uh, Bret Hart has a Cameo account, and you can pay him $150, and he can say stuff for you in a video. And But they get a chance to decline if it's something they don't want to say, like if it's something they don't feel comfortable with. Someone sent him $150, Bret Hart, and all he had to say was, Sean was better, and cut off the camera. <laughs> And uh, wow, I don't think he uh, don't think he responded to that one. Austin, of course, makes it to the ropes with the uh, walls of Jericho. Earl takes a ref bump when Austin sends Jericho uh, into him off the ropes. Jericho low blows Austin, hits him with a stunner. Another finisher stolen. Then Mr. McMahon comes out. Austin's not going to go down to his own finisher. He's not fucking doing that. So Mr. McMahon comes out with Nick Patrick, dirty, crooked referee from WCW, now on the take from Mr. McMahon. And uh, I guess Mr. McMahon prepping for his NWO takeover. Got the NWO referee. So he comes out with Nick Patrick. Then Ric Flair, who didn't care about the matches earlier, suddenly cares, comes out, decks Nick Patrick, then decks Vince, then Vince decks Flair. Austin low blows Jericho. Goes after McMahon, though, instead of finishing the match. Thez Prez punches to, to Jericho, followed by an elbow. More chops to Jericho. Jericho gets caught in the walls of Jericho by Austin, so he gets put in his own finisher. Taps out, but no ref can see it because Nick Patrick and Earl are both down. Then Booker T, another fired wrestler, uh, another WCW scab, uh, comes in the ring, decks Austin with the belt in the back of the head. Vince rolls Earl into the ring, and Jericho... Rolls over, Stone Cold Steve Austin, one, two, three. Jericho shocks the world to silence in this crowd. There is literally, this is, I wish they had fan cutaways here instead of like at The Undertaker losing to Brock at WrestleMania 30. I would have loved to have seen some of their faces here as Jericho shocks the world, is the undisputed champion. Vince laughs his way up the ramp. <laughs> the crowd is silent. Vince just laughs it up as confetti. They ordered confetti for this. <laughs> Rains down. And then the ending of this pay-per-view is beautiful as Stone Cold's bald, stunned face is in the middle of the ring with confetti all over it as he has been uh, outdone and outclassed by Vince McMahon. He who laughs, laughs, laughs loudest. And uh, <laughs> this match between Jericho and Austin wasn't that good. Uh, it only went... I think it only went probably 15 minutes tops. It was shorter than the Rock and Jericho match, but that's because Austin was gassed. He was he was done, but what makes it so great is the shock value. There's nobody that would have picked Jericho to walk out with both belts. Even I don't think there was any hint of it. I think that if you were to, of those four guys, say which is the guy in here just to lose, it'd be Jericho. And had Benoit not gotten his neck broken earlier in that year, he probably would have been in Jericho's spot. So in a weird way, Chris Benoit is sort of responsible for this Chris Jericho title run, even though it was just to lose to Hunter at Mania. But, in fact, I don't even remember his title defenses before Mania. Like, I don't remember what he did at Rumble. Did he even have a match at Rumble? I don't recall. Because I mean, that was the Rumble that Hunter won. And I don't remember Jericho's match at all. Okay, so that was the Rumble in Atlanta. Yeah, Jericho Jericho beat The Rock, so Jericho did have to face 
some tough competition. Dude, we covered that rumble. Yeah, we did. We did. And uh, then in No Way Out, he had to face Stone Cold Steve Austin. So he had his two rematches with his two guys. Well, I mean. Beat them both. My pick. Shut them up. My pick. Well, before we get to your pick, what did you think of Vengeance 2001 from top to bottom? Oh, legendary. For a December pay-per-view, I think this is the best December pay-per-view maybe ever. Yeah, because absolutely. There's not a lot of competition. No. December to Dismember is not going to be rivaling uh, this pay-per-view no. in many regards. Shocking outcome. I think you can skip everything until the final three matches. You could watch the final three matches. You'd be fine. I don't know. You, if you want to see a fucked up brother versus brother match... Check out Matt and Jeff. Oh, don't worry. They'd have another match at WrestleMania where they also fucked it up. These guys just can't have a good match together. So, uh, yeah, or if you want to see Taker win the hardcore title for some reason, a very weird, like I said, this must have just been him saying, I'm not losing a Mania. Book me any other way you want to, but I'm not losing a Mania. So, um, your other thoughts on this one? Uh I mean, I think it is a legendary night for historical purposes alone. I gave you the action figure, so it has been immortalized. That's true. That's very, very true. So, Well, and any time they revisit this, they fail to mention that these were both dirty wins by Jericho. It wasn't like he beat them both clean. This man can successfully 1,000% say... And has done a thousand times over that he beat The Rock and Austin in the same night. Yeah, he beat the two greatest performers of his generation and took both of their belts the same night. That is pretty impressive that they had that confidence in him. But it's a follow-up that just kills me with Jericho. <laughs> That's the problem. It's... If this was capped off the great WrestleMania, if he cemented his win at WrestleMania with a, a big title defense against like Angle, maybe, or somebody, I think I would look back more fondly on it. I think I look back fondly just because it's so unpredictable, this this, this yeah. card. Yeah. But if had I been in the crowd that night, I would have been pissed off. Even though I love Chris really? Jericho. I would have been disappointed. But like I said years later to see how predictable wrestling had gotten I would have been happy to it was a good curveball oh definitely there's very few swerves they throw at at us that we're like wow that was a legitimate you got us yeah and they got us yeah it was a good curveball oh well I think very underrated match between RVD and Taker I enjoyed that match I very highly enjoyed that match. Yeah, it was fine. I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of when they throw people into tables that just happen to be there. It's, it's something that I've seen so much, and by 2001, I'd seen enough. And yeah, um, it's not my young getting power bombed off me. <laughs> well, and also it's it's Taker fighting for a belt that. He has no business like t- 
Taker should not be fighting for the hardcore title. Really? Under any circumstance. In 2001, no. In 1991, have they had a hardcore title? Okay, maybe. But not 2001. This guy, he should have been in the tournament. I mean, here's the way I would have booked this tournament is and and the WrestleMania main event. Undertaker's a heel. So I'm gonna book him to go I'm gonna book him to win this tournament and go lose to Hunter at Mania. That's yeah. just what I'm gonna do. Yeah. It's also a rematch from X seven, so it makes sense they have a rematch. And I'm gonna book uh and I'm gonna book Austin Hogan and Rock in a triple threat. And I'm going to put that on after the title match because I'm not stupid. <laughs> um, and as for Jericho, I would put Jericho with Angle. I would just put good wrestlers against good wrestlers yeah. for the undercard. And then knowing that Austin is on his last legs, spend 2002 building up guys like RVD and Jericho and Benoit and all those guys to then... Make. To me, Angle was already a workhorse, but that was the that was the turning point, I think, when Austin finally was gone. And Rock was off doing movies, so he finally was gone. Then this was this was Angle's turn to really be the the workhorse. And I think that he stepped up to that occasion, if you look back. Well, and, it, and that's what burned him out so fast, yes. too, though. Yes. Is because he did, he had a streak of, like, I forget how many pay-per-views in a row when he he needed neck surgery and he was just... He was still Popping painkillers, yeah. yeah, until 2006. And then even then didn't take time off, just went down to Florida and did some uh, shows for another organization. So never knew when to quit. No. But... He was really, really good. That's that's the problem with drug addicts like that in in the business, and that's what they always talk about. Jake and Scott Hall and uh, Sean and and Kurt Angle is okay. Yeah, they're they're high as hell, but dude, you would never. You they're at such a level in the ring. Yeah, Jake Roberts. Never... I've talked to him, and he he talks about fondly, so fondly of WrestleMania three. He says the most memorable part is him and Alex Cooper in the back getting high together. So it's not being in front of 93,000 people. It's him and Alex Cooper doing their thing backstage. Well, and they had some miscommunication with the snake at the end of the match. <laughs> it's history. Where Alice didn't seem to know how. Yeah, just throw the fucking snake. I love just Jake taking the snake from him. Like, no, here's how you chuck the snake. Just a good. Don't and just, a... he flings the damn thing. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he knows snakes are pretty resilient. Yeah. Like, he's been around this snake. Alice Cooper's so ginger with the snake. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to throw it. Jake just grabs it from him, just chucks the snake. But, like, performers like Angle, I mean, uh, there was 30 for 30 on Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and these guys are. You know, juicing themselves out of their minds and and on in '98 or whatever, chasing that home run record. Yeah. But guess what? They're hitting home runs 700 feet at a time. Yeah. And uh, people got really entertained by it. And yeah, they struck out a lot too. But when they were on, they were on. And so that's sort of what happened here with some of these guys. And I hate to say it, but I mean, just if your talent is at such a, it's not like. Jeff Hardy when he's high. When Jeff Hardy's super high, you can tell, and he sucks. But when... Go back to TNA. Yeah, but when... Him and Sting. But when Kurt Angle is 
off his mind on painkillers, he's still an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> who can deliver? Who could beat the fuck out of yes, you? Yeah, like, yes. Who can deliver every time? All right. So on our writing scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you stack? Vengeance, two thousand one. Gonzalez. Wow, that is very high praise. I do think it's a really, really good good card. Uh, the the last half of it, the first half, I'm not high on, but historical purposes alone, just unpredictability. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it the wall of WCW. Oh, that's a big man now. He is a that's, big man. That's pretty high up there. All right, Patrick. So where are we going next week for hopefully another in-person uh, encounter for the Retro Wrestling Podcast? But who knows? We are we are going to take a trip two months into the future. We're going to go and see the arrival of one of the most horrible, terrible, they kill companies, groups of all time. We're going to see WWF be invaded by nwo no way out in w o that's, that's right. right vince turned around in his chair one night on raw and you knew it was it was coming and uh which that was i remember that fondly because i got chill bumps they built a whole website for it i remember going yeah. and looking at it it was like nwo.wwe.com or wwf.com and all it was was like that promo and Vince turning his chair around, and I thought, oh, this is going to be something. Like, Turned out not to be much, but... Uh, still, you know. Still, it brought Hogan into the fold, which once again brings up the question why you couldn't hold off the alliance just a little bit longer, because then you'd have Nash, Hall, and Hogan, and Flair, and couldn't wait, couldn't no. resist, so... Yeah. That's where we'll go next week. Until then, you can go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETROWRESTLING, get a month for free. Also, pay attention to our Retro Wrestling podcast feed, and I'll upload Patrick's appearance on Sign Guy Wrestling Show's uh, podcast. And then, hopefully later this... Where he picked Jimmy Snuka over Jim Duggan, (laughs) which is bullshit. Which uh, I and, should. And they live over Hell Comes to Frog. Oh, uh, I didn't make it that far. Oh, yeah. Hell Comes to Frogtown? Yes. He asked, me, he asked me what was my opinion. Oh, they live is way better. Yeah. Than, See, that's they, what I said. He asked me about Hell Comes to Frogtown. He's like, is that your favorite movie? And I'm going, no, nah, They Live is my favorite Piper movie. There's no doubt. I yeah. Mean, they Live not, is so far up they there. They Live is a good movie without, I mean, not even if you say Piper movie, if you just say good movie I mean, it's by john carpenter the guy that did halloween yeah. it's, it's a good movie yeah. like uh keith david isn't it the guy that voices the monday night wars and um i love they live yeah uh, I do too. I, it's the only piper movie that i've seen though so i can't really Ooh, judge the see we uh, then we got to get you caught up there brother. i don't want to see it's the best why do i want to downgrade why do i want true but still so uh, you can find us at Retro W Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Intern Alex. Where can they find you on the interwebs? You can find me at Patrick Young, or what is it? No, it's at Ref Patrick Young. There we go for Sounds Twitter. 
Uh, I'm more active, however, on my Facebook. So Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling, you can't miss me. Uh, definitely take advantage of watching uh, the Rope Break podcast, which is a video podcast that I filmed this morning. It should be later, ready later this evening. If not by tomorrow, I would love to get your opinions on it. And definitely just uh, check out Retro Wrestling Podcast. We are here to help and serve. Yeah, we're here to serve. Well, that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. Vengeance 2001. I just didn't really uh, think it was going to happen. What's at stake is the right to meet Austin later tonight for the undisputed championship. That was a long stretch of, of match. I think I did like 20 minutes with Rock and 15 minutes with Steve. Oh, Jericho with a vile low blow on the Rock. <laughs> and there's a Rock bottom. I cannot believe this. I enjoyed as a fan sitting home watching Chris Jericho defeat The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin in the same night to become the first ever undisputed WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And here we go! Wait! It's between Austin and Jericho for the undisputed title! It doesn't get any bigger than that. You know, you have the two of the biggest names in history, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. And Jericho is tapping out! This match should be over! But there's no damn referee in the ring! Hey, look at this! That's Booker T. He didn't even work here, JR. Austin got nailed from behind with a championship belt. And Mr. McMahon now is shoving Earl Hebner back into the ring. I beat Steve, but it took me about six people to do it. Jericho's got a leg hook. My God, it can't be happening. Jericho has done it. Chris Jericho has become the undisputed champion.
I remember afterwards the match was done and, and Vince raised my hand as we walked up the aisleway and confetti was falling and then I just kind of went and sat in a corner for a couple minutes and just went, wow, this is really mine. That guy did it. You know, and I kind of never really, all I wanted to do was be the Intercontinental Champion. I never aspired to do more until I got the Intercontinental Championship. And then after that, I said, okay, I want to be the world champion. But I didn't expect it was going to be by beating Rock and Austin the same night. I always felt that Chris Jericho was that talented, and Chris Jericho, who's barely six feet tall and 230 pounds, really broke through that barrier because he was that talented, and I was very happy for Chris sitting home watching it. That's pretty much opening up the road for a lot of us because at one point Chris Jericho was considered a cruiserweight in WCW, but now, you know, came over here and, and just tore the house down, became world champion. Boy, did that solidify his legacy, if you will. And Chris will sure tell you about it over and over and over again. We're about to hear the first words from the first ever Undisputed Champ. I bestow upon you the honor of presenting me with my two championship titles, which signify me to be the first, the only, and the true Undisputed champion. Take a look at that. Get this a Kodak moment. Take pictures. I will say that Chris Jericho's gift, one of his gifts, is the ability to be the right place at the right time, not through luck, but through perseverance. Chris is very dedicated as far as knowing what's going on, and he maneuvers himself in the right positions because he's tenacious and he's hungry. Jericho, with me in your corner, with us united. We are an unstoppable force. So Chris, what do you say we be more than friends? It was one of those things that you thought would work out good, but I didn't really like working with Stephanie as my partner in crime. Let's be business partners, what do you say? I say that Triple H's worst nightmare just came true. It was okay but it wasn't the great payoff that you would think by putting finally Jericho and Stephanie joining forces. And it just didn't really go that way. And sometimes that happens. Once Chris became the undisputed champion in December and then turned around and was the main event, the last match in Toronto, in his home country of Canada, you know, you would think that uh, his, um, his career was set. You know, is there anything else to do? I think it was uh, a huge deal for Chris to, to main event WrestleMania. Uh, in Toronto, a second year in. It's such a big honor for Toronto to have it, and for myself, Y2J, to be able to come back to Canada and live my dream that I always had of wanting to be in a WrestleMania in Canada. Now, in 2002, WrestleMania 18 is going to come true. To go into WrestleMania 18 as a champion in Canada, as the main event, quote-unquote, last match on the show, it's one of those things to think, like, wow, I mean, that's, you know, I still don't really, don't really register with me because the real main event on that show was Hogan versus Rock. And to me, that's the match that should have gone on last because nobody could follow it. I mean, you, you had the two biggest icons in the business ever, with the exception of Austin, but two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf says. That back-and-forth energy, you know, almost exhausted the crowd. To me, I was like, wow, you're gonna put us on after those guys? And like, oh, okay, well, we'll try. I think people were kind of burned out by the time Rock and Hogan were finished. 
The match that Triple H and Jericho had was phenomenal. It could be a great match. I don't know. It's not one that I would ever trumpet. It's one of my best moments in my career. Having said that, the fact that we went on last and were the main event at WrestleMania, there's only been 26 matches that can say that, so it's a pretty big deal.